Welcome back to Butterless Popcorn, the podcast where we analyze our favorite movies through a series of outlandish questions. I'm Brett Tworski. I'm Adam Ottenheimer. This movie, as you just said, is so relatable to us. There are legitimately groups of people, I'm sure, that think of Robert De Niro almost as a comedic actor. This movie, in 2004, she was only 18, but she was an international superstar. Everyone knew who Lindsay Lohan was. Borden is, is Tim Duncan, but then, yes. you know, James Harden is kind of like that Angier. The other one is Mikowski. Oh, that's a hot take! I can't wait to rewatch it and to talk to you about that, that atrocious yet incredible movie for an hour. Today on Butterless Popcorn, we're breaking down one of the most famous teen comedies and 80s movies of all time. The film that made Matthew Broderick a superstar and coined the phrase Bueller. This is Ferris Bueller's Day Off. And before we get into it, we have a very special guest on the podcast today, our close friend and frequent movie quoter, Jared Rosen. Jared, how are you? Doing great. Thanks, Brett. Adam, thanks for having me. Absolutely, Jared. I know this is one of your all-time favorite movies here, so I'm, I'm really excited to have you on board here and especially for the trivia part i'm a little bit nervous on, on what you're going to throw our way i don't i i'm i when i was making these questions up i gotta be honest i i i'm not sure if they're too easy or if they're too hard there's no middle ground we will be the judge of that so jared since we were little kids you have said on the record that ferris bueller's day off is one of your say three or four favorite movies ever i want to ask you what is it about this movie that reels you in from time and time again um, I love that as the first question, to be honest, because it it's a movie that my parents showed me when I was like 11 years old. They made a point out of showing me the movie because of its Chicago scenery and, and all of that. And I think they just thought I was ready to grow up a little bit and, and see, and see uh, a different side of the world and, you know, be a little bit rambunctious. And, and so I have like a nostalgic, like, uh, love for it but on top of that I mean it's super clever and it, I, it's just a it's a movie that I grew up with and that's something that it'll, it'll always stay with me and I'm, a, I'm like that with a lot of my favorite movies but I don't know this one was so different to me when I was young that it made a really strong lasting impact on me it's like a rite of passage almost for anyone that lives in Chicago and if they're a teen it's like you absolutely have to watch this movie. Brett, we've done a few of these like rite of passage type movies here, but this one really hits home with like the regional aspect of it. Oh, it totally does. Um, when we did Mean Girls, we talked about Chicago references. And I mean, this movie, and we will get into this as the podcast goes on, but it encapsulates Chicago beautifully. Um, so released in the summer of 1986, it was written, produced, and directed by John Hughes, who lived in Chicago since he was like 10 years old and um, everyone knows this movie. You know, the, the plot is so simple yet effective. It's about a kid who skips school with his friends to spend the day downtown. It differentiates itself in a cool way because Ferris Matthew Broderick breaks the fourth wall a lot where he's talking to the audience directly as he says his thoughts aloud, which is really creative and something not seen very often, especially in the eighties with those types of comedies. And uh, John Hughes had said, decades after this movie was made that he this movie was his love letter to the city of Chicago and he wanted to capture the city as much as he could which was really cool I think too with like all of the filming that 
goes on actually in the city. So you brought up Mean Girls, Brett, and it wasn't actually filmed in Chicago. It was supposed to take part in the North Shore and whatnot. Right. And they made those references. But this, like, Hughes made it a point to get those shots in the city of Chicago. And he's such a huge fanboy for the city itself. And he he doesn't even try to hide it. He's like, this is who I am, and I'm going to make this into a movie. And a fun fact I was reading about it, but I guess he wrote this screenplay in under a week. I saw that yeah. from the Wikipedia. He knew exactly what he wanted, and he just went with it. And he's like, hey, this is Chicago. This is just about this teen kid in high school. And it's based off some true events in his past life but i think it's so well done from that perspective yeah and speaking of the the filming so this movie was filmed not only in downtown chicago but all throughout the chicago area so it's chicago itself river forest oak park northbrook highland park glencoe winnetka and lake forest and long beach california were the sites (laughs) of the movie being filmed but that's ridiculous it's all over the place it's awesome it's pretty did, great. Did any of you guys ever recognize, like, outside of the city? I think there were a couple points in the movie where I was like, I think I might know where that is. There was one point in particular I was yeah. like, this is Lake Forest. Like, I know where this <laughs> is right here. I, it probably wasn't, but I like to think that I knew where it was. Jared, qu- quick question for you. is Obviously, you love downtown Chicago. I feel like when we were kids, you were that guy going to the city when I had never even stepped outside of my block. Very interesting. Is there, is there is there is there any kind of going off of what Adam just said any moment where he's in the city or any time he's you know in the suburbs even I think they're supposed to live in Northbrook something that sticks out to you as more nostalgic I mean yeah there's there's so many moments I mean I'm sorry to bring this up so early I mean I have to talk about it at some point but when he's at the Cubs game like that is just like <laughs> that's home for me I know those are fighting words around these parts but uh, and, I'll, and I'll try to keep the Cubs talk to a minimum, but that's like the first thing that comes to mind. Like when I think of childhood and home and summer, like right now yeah. should be summer. The Cubs game is the first thing that comes to mind. And I mean, and there's everything really, to be honest, like we've all done that. Like he hits such like great surface level, but awesome parts of Chicago. And I mean, like the Art Institute, like I love that. Like we grew up going to the Art Institute, like for school and whatnot. My parents like that kind of thing too, so so much of it but those two i guess in particular i i hate to burst your bubble on the cubs part here but a fun fact too that i learned with my limited research here is that john hughes was actually a Sox fan and his intention was to do that scene at comiskey but due to time constraints i guess they had a last minute change to wrigley so this is this is really really tough for me as a Sox fan because this could have been like (laughs) A huge springboard for the fan base here. But <laughs> it, really could, it really could have been, yeah. honestly. I'll bet after people saw this movie, especially people growing up in the suburbs, maybe they weren't big baseball fans or whatnot, they saw that and they're like, oh, that looks like he's having an awesome time at the Cubs game. I want to follow the Cubs. It's, it's yeah. incredible. I, I want to think about this probably every day for the rest of my life. Is What, <laughs> what it would have what been if? like if they, yeah, that, we'll get into the what ifs later, but what if this was filmed at Comiskey? Holy shit, Cubs would be... It'd be garbage. Didn't even cross my mind. (laughs) (laughs) So we can't really talk about Ferris Bueller's Day Off without mentioning the potential castings. And John Hughes 
had Matthew Broderick in mind while writing the screenplay because of his natural charm and cleverness, which are clearly Ferris's strongest traits throughout the movie. Um, Alan Ruck, who plays Cameron, did say, though, that Anthony Michael Hall, who was a frequent collaborator of Hughes with Weird Science and Sixteen Candles, was actually offered the part of Ferris, but turned it down. Thank God. Um, other actors considered for the role of Ferris, though, included John Cusack, Jim Carrey, Tom Cruise, and Adam, your boy, Michael J. Fox. Oh, what do you yeah. think about this, fellas? Do any of these individuals play Ferris well if they're casted in the role? I mean, I got to be honest. You guys are beating me to one of the questions I had for you guys that you, you uh, had asked me to prepare. Uh, and so one of those people that you mentioned, actually one of the people I was going to bring up later. Um, I didn't know that Alan Ruck had mentioned these guys already, but uh, do you want me to say it now and we can we can cover it? I mean, I don't want to spoil the fun. All right, well, we'll save it. We'll save it. We'll save it. Uh, I'll just say... I don't think any of these people could have been Ferris. Maybe John Cusack because he was already that 80s stud and say anything. But like Jim Carrey, too hyper, too too much physical comedy. Tom Cruise, eh. And then Michael J. Fox, I, I don't know. Marty McFly is a little too anxious to be the perfect Ferris Bueller. Oh, come on, Brett. Yeah, I, I, He's not Ferris Bueller. He's not. He doesn't have that charm and clever wit to him that Matthew Broderick brings. He's... I mean, fair, but it's Michael J. Fox. I don't know. That's that's my only defense of him. I will <laughs> say though, Michael, I mean, yeah, it's, it's the Parkinson's. It's putting him down. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, is Jim Carrey like considered for every single movie? I feel <laughs> I this is the third time now. I think that we've talked about how Jim Carrey, you know, could have been in the movie, but he just yeah. like didn't make the cut. <laughs> I know. That's what was it with Meet the Parents, right? It was instead of Ben Stiller, it would have been him. Yeah, that would have been super strange. But this too, I mean, this is not this is not a Jim Carrey movie. I know, but well, no here's way. a big one. The role of Cameron, played by Alan Rock, played by Alan Ruck, was originally offered to Emilio Estevez, who <laughs> turned it down. Gordon fucking Bombay. What do we think of this? I don't like it at all. No way. I thought he turned it down. Yeah. It changes the whole dynamic of the movie, in my opinion. You lose a you oh lose God. a complete you lose a part of what Cameron represents, and in terms of like a high school student, um, in my opinion, because I don't know, it just wouldn't feel right. We already have Charlie Sheen too. We don't we don't need Amelia. You're right, that's yeah. true. Half brothers, we don't need them. No. It's actually kind of funny. Alan Ruck was 29 years old when he played a 17-year-old Cameron. You can't tell at all. He's got a baby face. But when he said he was, he said that when he was 17, he looked like he was 12, so it wouldn't be able to work then anyway. (laughs) Exactly. Um, And then one more fun casting fact. So Jeffrey Jones, who plays Edward Rooney, um, John Hughes actually took him to meet his old high school principal when he when he casted him because he wanted him to know the type of character he was based off of. I thought that was a really fun quirk. It just shows how intense Hughes would get with some of his roles. How do you think uh, the principal felt that uh, Rooney cast him in such a <laughs> negative light? Yeah, probably at the time when, when Hughes brought Jeffrey Jones to him, he was probably really flattered. But then when the movie came out and Rooney is clearly the villain and you're supposed to hate him. Yeah. Maybe not too happy. Probably He's not. like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> I know. Um, I just have one more comment before we get into the segments. Maybe this is just me, but um, I don't, I haven't really, 
associated Ferris Bueller's Day Off as a coming-of-age movie in the past just because there's no dramatic turmoil that the character that the main character faces it's not really associated in my mind as a coming-of-age movie but it definitely is after watching it again like there's the scene when ferris talks about how he loves sloan but he he doesn't know how it's going to work with them with him going to college the next year and her having another year of high school and then there's a scene that i love when sloan and cameron are walking in the city while ferris is on the float and they're talking about what are you going to do and cameron's or she's like what are you good at and cameron's like nothing and she's <laughs> like what are you going to go go to college for he's like i don't know and it's like that's so relatable who hasn't felt that way before i know i certainly felt that way going into college so i guess just because there's no dramatic turmoil with the main characters doesn't mean it's not necessarily coming of age i just realized that it's a very smooth character arc for like all three of them probably where it's like like you said, it's not like there's a turning point, but I think that's why this movie is so easy to watch. And it's probably one of, if not the easiest movies to watch of all time. And it's because it's just like one continuous character development and fun, easygoing in a fun, easygoing way. So that's, I think that's what the beauty of it is with, with how John Hughes kind of crafted it. Yeah. Yeah. I would totally, I would agree as well. And I think, some and like I mentioned earlier, like I think just he covered a lot of different aspects of high school students. They're all very different people, in my opinion. Um, and I think it's covered well without it being too in your face, you know, considering Cameron's fairly depressed and, you know, and Ferris is the complete opposite. So it's, I, I like the balance there. Yeah, totally. Well, let's take a quick, quick break before we dive into the categories. This episode of Butterless Popcorn is brought to you by Day Old Fish. Are you sick and tired of paying a premium for a nice fish dinner? Tilapia? More like of money. That's why Day Old Fish created a solution. Day Old Fish is the only fish delivery service that will bring you old fish right to your door at quite the discount. Treat your special someone to a gourmet fish meal at a fraction of the cost. Day Old Fish specializes in expired or nearly expired salmon, grouper, and mahi-mahi. Cost savings never taste so good. Day-old fish, what are you waiting for? And now, back to the show. Welcome back to the show, where we are talking about Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Jared, we always start with best overall scene in this movie. Give me some of your nominations for the best scene of this movie, and then give us your ultimate winner in the end. Uh, it's tough. I mean, come on. The whole the, it's just scene after scene. You're like, oh, I love this scene. Oh, I love this scene. Oh, this is a great scene. I mean, to be honest, the beginning, the the whole introduction of the movie is it's classic. I mean, the part he's going over the, you know, how to fake sick with your parents, and he's so like you can see the games he's playing when he's talking with his parents, like. like that kind of thing you know and and it's so it's so clever and like it's so funny and then the clammy hands no phony fever you know moan and wail lick your palms like (laughs) that kind of thing it's it's stupid and childish but then so so is high school exactly so i mean i love that part it's it's nothing better to kick (laughs) off a movie to be completely honest for me it just gets me so that's one part I mean, I also absolutely love the scene um, when 
Cameron is debating whether or not he should go pick up Ferris. I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. I'll call. He's going to call. I'll go. He'll keep calling me. He'll keep calling me. And and I love and there's just that one part where you where um you see the camera and it's I I I'm jumping the gun a little bit. It's okay. We all we all have this moment. I'm gonna I'm gonna rewind. I'm gonna rewind. So that's a favorite moment of mine because you just get how miserable Cameron is and he just like doesn't want to deal with this today. So, and then, I mean, the Art Institute scene is a classic. I love that moment. It's just like, you see a lot of different uh, feelings. You see um, Ferris and Sloane's romance budding. And it's just like, it's really one of the scenes where they actually focus on that. And so it's an interesting part in front of the stained glass window. I love that part. And then the parade. I mean, the parade is like, the dance scene is so fun. I, it's there's, it's just a great it's a great moment and, he, and he's singing a gr- couple of great songs and so I, I love all of those scenes equally to be completely honest so you don't have a winner if you'll let me say the beginning first like 20 minutes of the movie when it's like he's <laughs> going through the whole thing he goes into the shower he does he says all of the great quotes that he's that he's famous for i mean i would i would go with that opening let's call it 10 to 12 minutes where it's just like bit after bit is just hitting. He's just checking off the boxes of great moments. Isn't yeah. he singing Donka Shane in the shower too? Yeah. Yeah. Donka Shane actually comes up like four times in this movie. So he's and, singing it in the shower and then it's on the float. And then if you listen really quietly after Jeannie meets Charlie Sheen in the police station after they're making out and her mom comes and picks her up, she's walking back down the stairs and she's, you know, giggly. She starts singing Donka Shane, even though the camera is on Charlie Sheen, if you listen closely. That song is great. I think Hughes said he hated that song too. Yeah, he did. <laughs> he like he was like he took a German class in school and so he had to listen to that song all day or something like that. It's pretty great. Starting, I'm starting to think my trivia questions aren't going to be too hard. One of my questions was, what is the song that is alluded to multiple times and how many times is it alluded to in the movie? <laughs> and you hit it, Brett. It's four times. And the other part is with Rooney. And he's waiting outside of Ferris's house. He starts humming it. And oh, does like, I don't oh, even remember that wow. one. See, wait, I, you would have gotten it wrong, man. <laughs> wait, yeah, you just spoiled your trivia question. We well, you said wrong. you said four times. I said three or four, but then I only named three of them. Oh, well, there's a fourth. Yeah. <laughs> um, Adam, Adam, give me some of your nominations for best scene. All right. J- Jared named a, a handful of good ones. I'll go through a couple of others. So I really like when Rooney is thinking that he's you know, talking uh, talking on the phone with Ferris oh, God. about Sloane's dead grandmother. <laughs> and then uh, Ferris calls <laughs> and Grace. Gra- I love Grace. We'll get we'll get to her in a bit. <laughs> She's like, Ed, Ed, Ferris dealer online too. Yeah, he's just freaking <laughs> out. <laughs> that whole scene is so good. And that's that's in the beginning of the movie too. Um, yeah but the whole like dead grandmother part that's so good the couple other ones so police station with charlie sheen i just i love charlie sheen in this movie oh my god he's amazing it's great that he's in it for like two minutes (laughs) (laughs) and then they're making out in the background when 
Ferris's mom, Ferris and Jeannie's mom is talking to like the police chief or whoever it is. And yeah. in the background, you see him making out. So good. I love when Cameron, Cameron decides he's going to take a stand. He's kicking the car and then the car, you know, backs up, shatters the glass. You killed the car. But I love that whole scene. That's a huge transformation for Cameron. But my ultimate winner that Jared mentioned is Ferris on the float. Donka Shane, twist and shout. I'm going to go through this scene quite a few times in this show, but it's it's just the best. It makes me feel like so good every time I watch it. <laughs> yeah. The parade scene is really good. And I, I will be honest, when I was a kid watching this movie, I definitely thought Ferris was singing both songs. It never oh. occurred to me for a second when I was a little kid that he was lip singing. And then you're like, fuck, there's this John Lennon guy I should know about. Yeah, seriously. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, the, no, the, the parade scene, it's it, it's super cheesy, but it's super feel good at the same time. It's got to be the best parade float movie scene of all time, right? Uh, Animal House comes to mind, too. Animal House oh, is really yeah. good, but th- I would say this is better than that. This one makes me feel happier inside. Definitely. The Animal yes. House. Um, fun fact about this scene before I get into to my nominations. So to get the crowds of people on site while they were filming, John Hughes reached out to local radio stations and had them invite people to take part in a, quote, John Hughes movie. And all of a sudden, like 10,000 people showed up, which is super interesting. That's pretty funny. Yeah. Imagine, imagine living downtown during that and just going and doing it. I'm sure there's so many people, like, I'm sure there's six degrees of separation. Somehow we know somebody who knows someone oh, yeah. that was in the parade at, in that movie. My best friend's sister's boyfriend's girlfriend knows this guy <laughs> who knows this girl who is in the Ferris Bueller parade. <laughs> I don't think you could, I don't know if you'd be able to pull that off today. Like, there'd be too much security. It'd be too tough. I know. I mean, and too too much worry of a bombing or a shooting or something. Unfortunately, is there gonna be? Is there ever gonna be a parade ever again in today's in today's times? But hey, our younger audience might not know what a parade is. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Oh oh, Jesus! Um, I'll get into my nominations really quick. So, kind of to echo everything, Cameron sitting in the car, amazing. Rooney talking to Cameron, Mister George Peterson. I should say you do. <laughs> Amazing. The parade. Oh, really? I want to go to talk to you. I want my daughter outside with you. I want to have a word with you. <laughs> Maybe we can have coffee. <laughs> we'll get lunch. Oh, yeah, we'll get lunch. Um, my winner, though, um, and Adam, you mentioned it was Cameron's breaking point where he kicks the car to death. This is his big moment where he realized he needs to face his fear and throw his anxiety in the fuck it bucket. And he, I love specifically when he's he's kicking the car, but he's talking to his dad while he kicks the car. He's like, "Who do you love? You love a damn car." That's mm-hmm. that's freaking fantastic. It's a really powerful moment, actually. Um, and then the and then he leans on the car, and then it bursts out the window, and we and then we laugh again. It's like that one serious moment, and then we start cracking up again. So that's pretty pretty great. Yeah, I I, I think that that scene pretty much wraps up cameron's arc there and that's that's part of the reason i i love it too as well so we're kind of split across the board here moving on to the next one though we've mentioned this scene already i'll I'll start with mine and then i'll kick it over to you jared but the best car chase scene so this is the scene that really gives you the chills gets your blood pumping you just get real fired up about it 
we've already talked about mine. Uh, it's the twist and shout. It's when they're Ferris on the float. I, I could watch that scene over and over again. I wouldn't be surprised if you guys have the same ones, but uh, Jared, what do you have? Um, I don't actually have the parade in any of my my top three that I have listed here, but I would say my my number one moment is probably when they first when they first show the Ferrari and the song starts to play the oh. song, you know the song. When that first starts to, p- to play and you realize what's about to go down, especially after you've seen this movie so many times, you're kind of like, oh, yeah, this is, this is the best. And I actually get chills when I watch that scene. And, they, and the, you, don't, you see them when Cameron opens the garage and then it turns to the, to the, the car and Ferris starts walking around it and he's like dragging yeah. his finger across the edge of it. And it's just that moment. It gets me. I love when... When Ferris gets into the car, he makes an orgasm face. Yep. He's like, oh. Yeah, he's like, oh, my yep. God, I can't believe I'm doing this. Oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. Yeah. Really, a really fun fact about the Ferrari, by the way. I wanted to bring this up. At the time of the filming, that car was worth three hundred fifty grand. In 2015, a model of that car was sold for almost $17 million. That's insane. That's amazing. What the fuck? That's unreal. That's, That's crazy. I wonder if it would have sold for that much if it wasn't in the movie. Probably not. I, I mean, point. I, yeah. It's a beautiful car, though. Yeah. So, Jared, did you have any other nominations for, for car chase scene, the chill scene? I mean, actually, it's very interesting. My other chills scene is in that same garage, as you guys mentioned, when Cameron is going through his, through his you know, finalizing his character arc. Um when he's kicking the car through the, the the and it goes through the the glass, it's just it's heartbreaking. It gives me the chills. It just makes me feel for the guy. In that moment, it hits home with me. So it's interesting. Very happy moment. Very sad moment at the ed- at the edge of the movie happening in the same place. Maybe it means something. It definitely meant something yes. for him. So Adam, you spoiled us. Your car chase scene was twist and shout. Right. Any other any other noms? No, that's it. I only went one here. This is this right. is the one where I there's literally like hairs that go up on my arm every time I think about this scene. I'm getting it right now. It's, I'm freaking right, out. I love it. So oh, yeah. I'm I'm very happy that all three of us had different winners for this. So my car chase scene and my chill scene, and it's so it was so much of a chill scene for me when I was rewatching the movie. I literally went, "Whoa, yeah!" <laughs> I did. I, I'm not kidding. Um, and I'm kind of surprised neither of you did it. It starts right away. Cameron breaks or Ferris breaks the fourth wall, and he says, "If you had access to a car like this, would you take it home right away?" Neither would I. And then he zooms out of the school parking lot, and then we hear the music kick in from the Flower Pet Men, Beat City. And it shows Cam- or Ferris in the Ferrari zooming down I-94, another great Chicago highway. Oh, and yeah. you hear the music, Beat City, down, down. And it, it, that gets my blood pumping every time. And then it has the, the music kicks in. It has the montage of the Chicago skyline. And then it shifts to them driving down Lakeshore Drive. It, it, I'm getting chills as I talk about that right now. My nipples are getting hard as I reference it. Even. <laughs> um, that was the runner up. I'll be honest. Yeah, that that that's my chill scene. Great by moment. F- by far, that's my chill scene in the movie. 
It's um, a great moment. It, it really it is. showcases it showcases the city like no other moment in the in the movie. Amazing. And I think they actually took a John Hughes said they took a helicopter ride to get those to get those shots of the skyline, which is pretty awesome. I believe it. Looks like yeah. it. Yeah. So speaking of those those shots, uh, this next category is an ode to the camera, the best shots of the movie. So Jared, I'm going to start with you. Any any nominations here for the best camera shots? I have two. Um, well, I, I have two and a half. Uh, my first one is the shot of the skyline under the car when the the guy who's par- the valet parks the car and he steals it from Cameron I'm a and Ferris. I'm professional. What? Um, <laughs> <laughs> and they the they're under the car and you can see the skyline as the car is like it gets some air and the Star Wars theme is playing. Yeah. And it's a, I love that shot of the city and it's like on this like random back road. So I love that. I love that. Like, that's awesome in my opinion. And then my other favorite, a little bit more serious one is the shot of Cameron debating whether or not he should be going to pick Ferris up, Ferris up. And as particularly the moment when he's not sitting in the car, his seat is in focus and you see Cameron in the back jumping around and he's, he's throwing his, he's like throwing punches around. I love that moment. It just like encapsulates Cameron. I feel like in a nutshell, just such an angry, annoyed person really doesn't want to do this, but he's going to do it because he's a good friend. That's I, the thing I love about that scene. And that's actually my favorite too. That's, that's what I have for the camera. But I, I do love how like right before it, Ferris is like 20 bucks. He's sitting in his car debating whether he wants to go. <laughs> yeah. Yep. yep. It's such good work right there. But so that's my winner. I'll I'll mention a couple other nominees that I had. The Art Institute, the Sunday afternoon painting, when it goes the camera goes back and forth between Cameron and the little girl in the park. Oh man, it gets Sunday and zooms in over and over again. That's like one of the first things I think of when I think of this movie. Yep. Um I think also Cameron yelling when he finds out the mileage on the car. And it starts like inside his mouth, so it's like black, and then the camera moves no. out. Yeah, exactly. It moves out <laughs> to his whole face and into the city. It's really clever there. And then the last yeah. one I'll bring up is the first person Cameron camera angle as Cameron. So when he kills the car, he looks down on it, but the camera takes his eyes and then slowly like moves it down towards the car. And it's really good work because you, oh, you yeah. realize what happened in his shoes. So all of them are really great, but I'm I'm going with the scene that you mentioned, Jared, about Cameron freaking out. Yeah. So to, uh, real quick, just to that last point that you made, Adam, about when being in Cameron's shoes, something I absolutely love about that moment is when it first cuts to that shot, and you and Ferris and Sloan turn their head, and they're just staring at the camera, and they're watching it as Cameron walks up to the edge, and then you see the car. And I really, I love the look on Sloan's eyes. She just is so heartbroken for him, mm-hmm. and Ferris is just like shit. Like you can just tell he's just like, oh man, this guy is screwed. And it's just like, I love that particular moment when you're in Cameron's shoes. It's amazing how they move from like fourth wall to first person. And it really yeah. helps capture all of the emotion, the entire film. And you don't even realize it's happening. And it's, you know, not a lot of movies do it, but it's so seamless and perfect that I think it just really escalates everything you feel in the movie. 
So I don't need to say much more. You guys actually both just talked about my winner here for the best camera shot I had when Cameron kills the car and he walks towards the window and then it's it's the first person view because he first looks he, we're walking with him so we are in his eyes and then we look at Sloan and Ferris who are stunned and then Adam as you said it's that great look down at the car so we are in Cameron's eyes that first person perspective is great uh, I also had the valet guys flying to John Williams I also had Cameron sit in the car and then one last one I had was when uh, it's a shot of Jeannie in the school hallway and she's leaning up against the wall and we're in her psyche and she's uh, thinking in her head about how much she hates Ferris, that he can skip school. And I thought that was really well done because it starts really far back and it zooms in on her as she's talking and it works really well because that whole hallway is white. The walls are white, the floor is white, the ceiling's white, but she's wearing her, her clothes so it kind of makes her stand out even more. Uh, and it zooms all the way into, her, you know, just below her neck. So I thought that was really well done, too. That is pretty clever. After all, she got a car. He got a computer. Damn right. That. <laughs> How's that for being born under a bad sign? <laughs> yeah, really? <laughs> so, guys, there's a ton, I mean, a ton of quotable parts in this movie. Brett, I'll start with you. Just rattle off some of your best quotes and your ultimate favorite. All right. Uh, I'm just going to do these very quickly. Jeannie, is that you? Jeannie, I can't see that far. Jeannie, right away. So right full away. of shit. Yeah. I love, they bought it. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, how can I possibly handle, be, how can I possibly be able to handle school on a day like this? Life, and then obviously the quote of the movie is life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop around and look at a while, if you don't stop and, yeah, if you don't stop and look around once in a while, you could miss it. Bueller, Bueller, nine times. Nine (laughs) times. When Cameron was in Egypt's (laughs) land, let my Cameron go. Pardon my French, but Cameron is so tight that if you stuck a lump of coal up his ass in two weeks, you have a diamond. Wake up and smell the coffee, Mrs. Bueller. <laughs> it's a fool's paradise. He is just leading you down the primrose path. That's the best Rudy quote. Uh, with your bad knee, Ed, you shouldn't throw anybody. <laughs> uh, 15 years from now, when he looks back at the ruin his life has become, he's going to remember Edward Rooney. Hey, better, 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 so wing, better. He can't, he can't, he can't, so wing, better. And then, um, drugs. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, I'm going to end here. My favorite quote of the movie. I'm going to end this last one. Oh, he's very popular, Ed. Sportos, motorheads, geeks, sluds, bloods, wastoids, dweebies, dickheads. They all adore him. They think he's a righteous dude. Oh, that's <laughs> like, the best one. That's my quote of the movie. I love that line. It's incredible. Great Grace is amazing, and that quote is her shining moment. <laughs> oh man, you just took all of. I, th- I feel like you just took all the going. You pretty much just recited the yeah, entire sorry. movie right there. But yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, it's, just about, like, it's hard. It's hard not to. to please, be please, please repeat what you guys have though. I love it, Jared. Go ahead. All right, I've got a, I've got a handful as well. But uh, the first one here is, pardon my French. But you're an asshole. <laughs> uh, asshole. I love I love that when Cameron's on the phone with Rooney. Uh, then another pardon my French, but pardon my French, but Cameron is so tight that if you shove a lump of coal up his ass in two weeks, you'd have a diamond. 
Um, I love they bought it. That's the the they, first they the moment it. that when he breaks the fourth wall. It's just like so great. Um, I've got life moves pretty fast, but who doesn't, right? I mean, yeah, that's the right. classic that's movie line from it. Um, I love it is his love. It is his passion. It is his fault he didn't lock the garage. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I, ha- I had to have this one. I quote John Lennon. I don't believe in Beatles. I just believe in me. Good point there. After all, he was the walrus. I could be the walrus. I'd still have the bum rides off of people. He I loves like. the f- Cameron or Ferris brings up the fact that he doesn't have a car. Like He is so salty about it. He, it he really is. He really is. Uh, Grace! That's my Nazi classic. Um, uh, never had one lesson when when Ferris is playing the clarinet. <laughs> yeah, <and> he, <laughs> yeah. Never had one lesson. I love that line. I have a couple more. Um, when he when they pick up Sloan, he goes, "Do you have a kiss for Daddy?" <laughs> Sloan, <laughs> that's how it is in that Come family. Come on, <laughs> Sloan, Dad. Yeah, I love that part. Um, two two more. Um, what's the score? Nothing, nothing. Who's winning? The Bears. <laughs> See, Adam, to your point about this, what we were talking about a little earlier, maybe before this call started, I don't remember, but um, if they weren't at the Cubs game, they couldn't have, you know, had the great opportune moment to say Bears. Cubs, Bears, it's... it's Sox, Bears. Bears works too, but I'll let you keep going here. <laughs> no, I mean, okay. The whole reason why he said the Bears is because it's like, dude, neither of them are winning. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> But Cubs Bears, it works perfectly. That's my point. Anyways, last sure. last couple here. Um, also, Brett's favorite: Sportos, Motorheads, Geeks, <laughs> Sluts, Bloods, Wastoys, Dweebies, Dickheads. They all adore him. They think he's a righteous dude. <laughs> I, I mean, it's just you could say it. We could just fill the rest of this podcast with saying that quote, and I think the listeners would be okay. Yes. And my my last my last one uh, is: I do have a test today that wasn't bullshit. It's on European socialism. I mean, really, what's the point? I'm not European. I don't plan on being European. So who gives a crap if they're socialists? They could be fascist anarchists. It still don't change the fact that I don't own a car. <laughs> you love those car quotes. Yeah. I, I mean, that this whole thing is like, I don't plan on being European. I love, like, this is associations with what he's saying. It makes no sense, but it's so great. He hates all of the isms equally, I think he said. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, okay, Adam. It's the most quotable movie for me. That's I gotta amazing. be honest. Take it. Take us home, Adam. Okay, so I mean, obviously, you guys have mentioned a bunch. I do have a couple other ones in here, but I'll just say all of them. So the life moves pretty fast. We went over that one. Bueller, Bueller, nine times mentioned this one. This one is it kind of in passing, but it's funny. If Ferris dies, he's giving his eyes to Stevie Wonder. Like <laughs> <laughs> they're talking about someone, someone's friend or whatever. He's gonna give it so sweet. Um, and then Rooney. I mean, these these two next Rooney ones are unbelievable. I had a grandmother once. <laughs> two, actually. <laughs> so stupid. And the other one is between grief and nothing. I choose grief. <laughs> it's after Rooney's like poetic rant to to Sloan. Yeah. Uh, let's see what else we got here. I'm surprised you guys didn't say this one, but the question isn't, what are we going to do? The question is, what aren't we going to do? That's a good one. And two more. You killed the car. And the last one I have is, 
is Ferris's dad says, I think we should shoot her. Oh, that's great. <laughs> About Jeannie. <laughs> oh, she, oh, she lost me the Vermont deal. I think we should shoot her. <laughs> yeah. That's really good. Oh, great. Well, as we, as we mentioned, there's probably uh, a ton of quotes we could go through. We could t- spend the entire show talking about those, but really they're, they really center around a few people. There's Ferris, there's Grace, there's uh, Rooney, but I'm curious for you guys, Jared, start with you, but what character would you actually want to be friends with in real life? It's a no brainer for me. I mean, Ferris Bueller. He's like the coolest guy ever. Yeah, we, I, I mean, we, I'm pretty sure we all have the same answer for that. Yeah, absolutely. It's a no brainer. Yeah. I do have one honorable mention, though, and that's Grace. She's so what? matter of She's so Why matter do you of fact. Friends with Grace. She's a bitch. No, she's great. She's so matter of fact. She's funny. And she's just like to the point in your face kind of funny where she's kind of like kind of a dick. You she's know? so snippy when when Jeannie comes in the office to ask for Rooney. That's Is it Miss Hagen that... expecting you in consumer ed class? <laughs> <laughs> That's a quote that I didn't that I didn't bring up. But when Jeannie leaves and, and Grace goes, what a little asshole. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose it means it's personal. It's none of your business, young lady. Yeah, she's. <laughs> I love oh, her. God. All right, I think well, what's so great about Grace, though, is that like she's used very sparingly. She's in the first, what, 40 minutes and then nothing for the rest of the movie. Maybe yeah. she's not even in the first 40 minutes, maybe 30 minutes. You Probably. Know, it's... Her, her and Charlie Sheen are definitely the – they steal the screen in their limited time, and it, sure, they're, they're yeah. wonderful. But no, I, I mean Ferris is for sure the runaway with this one. Um, if you combined every movie ever made in the history of time and asked the same question, he still might be the answer. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he, yeah. He's 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 charismatic. He's witty. He's got a smoking hot girlfriend. He's always one step ahead of one step ahead of everyone. Not only do we want to be friends with him, but you want to be him when you're watching. This yeah, movie. absolutely. I can't deal with summer school, man. He's getting me out of summer school. <laughs> oh, that's God. how you. That's how you know he's a cool guy. He has oh, that man. kind of power. Yeah. How the hell is he getting freshmen out of summer school? What what kind of shit is he pulling off to get that kid yeah. out of summer school? He's king, Especially man. Consi- considering Edward Rooney hates him so much. How I is know. he pulling this off? I, the guy's a whiz. We can't, we can't help it. So, speaking of Edward Rooney, no spoilers. Who, in your opinion, Adam? I'll start with you. Is the biggest asshole in this movie? Rooney. Just, I mean, what a complete ass the entire movie. He literally goes out of his way just to ruin this kid's life. I mean, it's first of all nine absences. I mean, it's it's pretty steep, but it's not like that's a lot in one semester. It's kind of a lot. Yeah, true, but is it worth like I mean, pursuing this guy? Think about it. You know, when someone in your class in high school was out for so long, you're like, "What's going on with that person?" They're you know, they're kind of sketchy. You're like, but they weren't consecutive, right? Well, no, but still, well, maybe you never know. It's <laughs> true. It could be. <laughs> yeah, I. But Rooney goes out of his way to try to keep this kid from going to college, and he wants it so that way. When Ferris looks back on his life, he'll remember Edward Rooney. Like what a selfish <laughs> asshole there. So yeah, I think it's I think it's clear cut. For sure. Jared, how about you? Any other answer? I actually have two additional answers. One is a very random one, and one is an interesting one, I think. I'll give the random one first. 
biggest asshole goes to the snooty restaurant host. Ooh, <laughs> that guy's a dick. Snooty, 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 snooty. I love how I love how Ferris repeats it back to him when he says that, and he's like snooty. It's um, understanding that allows people like us to tolerate a person like yourself. That's a great quote. I mean, how did we forget the Abe Froman Sausage King of Chicago yes. quote? Like, that's just like such a classic. Like, I've Let me always check the wondered restaurant. what does that mean? Like, I always <laughs> wondered what that means to be the Sausage King of Chicago. Do you guys know? I have no idea. I mean, it's not like his name is Vienna Beef, you know? <laughs> right, he's Froman. Yeah, I don't know. Guy just cooks a hell of a sausage. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's that's my asshole number one. Asshole number two is not as funny, I would say. I'd say the biggest asshole in the movie is some we, someone we never see, Cameron's father. Ooh, uh, that's fair. Good call. Good I call. think, you know, I mean, apparently most of Cameron's issues are, are, are daddy problems, daddy issues, yeah. as, as people would say. You know, Daddy so. wasn't there. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So I don't know, you know, the kid might not be the way he is if if his dad was there for him a little bit more maybe he wouldn't have such resent build up built up for him so i'm going to i'm going to go with cameron's dad for biggest asshole wow that's a really good call yeah, i respect that yeah we don't even see him good movie. way to show your stones on the pod jared that's a they bold get, take that's a good get. one <laughs> Uh, was, Jared, I knew I was sticking my. I knew I, I was trying. You you haven't one. fully redeemed yourself yet for the recording issues, but you're you're getting there. <laughs> you're, I don't know if I'll ever redeem myself for the recording <laughs> issues. To be honest, it's th- those were tough. We'll, we'll see. You're, you're you're getting there. Jared, we'll we'll give you one more chance here. We'll do one more category, and then we'll hit a break here. But who's the biggest fool in the entire movie? I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Ferris's parents. Yeah. Ferris's parents are just they don't give a shit. The, honestly to be to be frank, the movie whenever Ferris's parents are involved makes no sense. <laughs> yeah. Whatsoever. For example, the part when they're in the cab and Sloane is staring at his dad in the cab <laughs> next to him and he's looking. And then at the end of the movie when Ferris is running and his dad's driving home and he's running next to his dad's car. Like even if I was running in front of my dad's car, he would know it was me if I was <laughs> running in front of his car. So it's that kind of stuff. Like his parents are just like they don't care at all, I guess. So I'm going to go with them for the biggest fools. I couldn't agree with you more, but I'm just going to add a bit about Mrs. Bueller. That she does that infuriates me every time I watch this movie. When she comes home in the middle of the day to check on Ferris and she goes into his room and she hears Rooney in her head saying nine times and she goes back in to check. So the dummy that Ferris has in his bed. Yes. Yes. The arm is sticking out underneath the blanket so you could see it. And it's the arm yeah. of a black person. The yeah. arm is the arm is African American. And it's clearly a plastic black dummy. And also, so first off, if you don't if that doesn't scream your son is not here, I don't know what does, but then the snoring is coming from his speakers in like the corner of the room. <laughs> so it's not like there's a speaker next to his bed that has the snoring. The snoring is on the other side of the fucking room. Like, come on, Mrs. Bueller. In the words of Rooney, wake up and smell the damn coffee. <laughs> there's my rant. Oh, you couldn't have said it any better right there. I think you guys both hit it right on the button. It's both, both of his parents. I originally put his dad... The only other thing I'd add is I was tempted to put Rooney 
in this one. But at the same time, he's really just doing his job in, in yeah. his mind. I mean, I think he's a little bit of obs- you know obsessive about it, but he's not going out of his way, and he's actually like alert of the situation where his parents are just completely clueless and not even trying to really understand what's going on in the entire no, movie. So, not at all. The, the support I'd give to Rooney here is he's actually a, a step ahead of the game. Like he knows what's happening. He just gets fucked over time and time again. But he knows that Ferris is a conniving kid and, and, and really, you know, he's bailing on school and he's screaming his way through everything. Rudy knows this. He's not he's like been around parents. the block. Exactly. It's not like Ferris's parents where they're like, oh, he's sick in bed at home. <laughs> Rooney's like, this fucker is skipping school. I'm going to catch his ass and just get screwed. That's really it. Rooney eats it. Oh, uh, the, the, the scene during on the, the bus. I love that. Yeah. I love yes. Yeah, on the bus. Well, Guys, now that we talked about Biggest Fool, we're going to take a quick break. Jared, we got to talk to you about your band. You're in a band called The Fluorescence, and are you release- You were just released a demo. Are you in the process of releasing a- an EP or album? What's going on there? Yeah, thanks for asking. Uh, we yeah, so we just released a demo, and we're working on... Uh, we've got three demos, actually, that we're going to be releasing over the next six weeks or so. Um, you know, shameless plug there. Go on and listen. Um, yeah, so, uh, and, but we are, we're trying to write an album. Obviously, con- considering the current situation, we can't be working together, so we've all kind of been demoing at home. Um, but we've been sitting on these demos for about five months now, actually. Um, but yeah, we're planning on writing an album once we get out of all of this uh, shelter in place. can uh, check us out uh, via Spotify, via Pandora, via Instagram, uh, anywhere really. We go on our Instagram, we're on SoundCloud, you can get all the links to our stuff there. You can check out the new song on SoundCloud, it's called Accidental Smile. Um, it's a demo that we're hoping to release on a new album. So the Fluorescence is the band name. Jared, I know you mentioned with the, the current stay at home and the way everything's going with COVID-19 but are there any plans to maybe hit the hit the stage get on tour a little bit and give the people what they want um I mean the future of the music industry is is uncertain so I, I don't I gotta be honest I don't have an answer for you to be actually we're supposed to have a gig tonight um we're supposed to play a show in in San Francisco with a couple of other cool local bands uh, but obviously that's not happening um so right now to be determined every gig that we had booked through the summer has been canceled um, and then hopefully we're able to just keep writing though and come out of this with a bunch of good songs and then be able to record them and get some music out and whenever the live shows start up again we'll, we'll get back on the circuit if we can so what's sure. what's the music scene like out there so you're in san francisco i mean with like i'm sure there's you know a bunch of up-and-coming bands 
like yourself in in the area there like what's that scene really like out there yeah it's a, it's an interesting scene it's it's very there's a lot of different genres i think i don't know if there is a, a singular genre like kind of how chicago has really a focus on that garage rock sound i think that it, it specializes in with bands like you know twin peaks and and uh you know, post animal and those kinds of guys. And Jared, you guys are available on social media, Facebook, Facebook, Instagram, Instagram Facebook, Instagram, Bandcamp, Spotify, SoundCloud, Pandora, literally everywhere you can listen to music, just about we're there. Welcome back to the show. Guys, let's get into some casting calls here. We're talking Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Brad, I'll start with you here. Which actor or actress would you actually like to see replace one of the stars or characters in the movie? I'm going to need you both to bear with me here because I have a feeling you won't love this take. Oh, boy. I have I have Will Smith as Ferris Bueller. Oh. Oh, no. I'm Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> So uh, who, we're, who's we're, who's Cameron if 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 Ferris is Jaden? I, I mean, it could, it could still be Alan Ruck. Why why can't it be Alan Ruck? I don't know. All right, but, go go know. on. What, so what, so let yeah. let me let me explain myself. So I'm talking specifically Will Smith in the '90s, Fresh Prince Will Smith. Just think about it. He had that same charisma. He had that same confidence. That same infectious personality. Where wherever he was in the room, you wanted to be friends with that guy. Um. At, he was a good athlete. He was really good with the ladies. He was really funny. He wasn't afraid to be adventurous and to just kind of do whatever he wanted to do. The only difference is that he wouldn't be as subtle as Matthew Broderick as Ferris. I think I think Matthew Broderick brings a – it's like almost like a – he's not so boisterous all the time, whereas Will Smith in The Fresh Prince, he's very dancey and cheery and happy-go-lucky. So that would be a difference, but um, – I, I mean, even though his personality would be more aggressive than Matthew Broderick's and more in your face, I think he'd be really good at, as as Ferris. It's a good take. I like the take. Your your rationale backs up. You justified it. But yeah, I don't know if I could ever see anybody else playing Ferris. Yeah, that's that's what one. this that's what this question's for. I know, and my my answer is a different is a different character. So what do you got, uh, Jared? I, I have a very minor character because, to be honest, I mean, the movie, I don't know. It's just, I couldn't imagine it with anybody else. It was really tough for me to answer these questions, I gotta be honest. But mine is Dustin Hoffman as Ferris's dad. Oh, <laughs> oh nice. I thought Love that, I mean, it just kind of, just kind of fits. Like, I don't know. It just kind of fits. I like that. I could see Dustin Hoffman dancing in his office on the yes. 80th, 80th floor <laughs> to the, to the parade music. So, are we talking late Dustin Hoffman, like Meet the Fockers, Dustin Hoffman? Um, I, yeah, I'm talking like you know, 40s, 50s Dustin Dustin Hoffman. I don't know, right. whatever. I mean, not not Kramer versus Kramer, Dustin Hoffman. No, not no, that no, not Hoffman. like the graduate Dustin Hoffman. Either. Yeah, definitely like, not that, that Dustin Hoffman. Not that young, obviously. When he's a dad, when he's you know, when sure. He's 45, so he would 50. he would definitely bring a lot more flair to Ferris's dad. 
Which yeah, is what you're he would, I think he would be a little bit less of like a BS whatever character. Right. Uh, Dustin Hoffman might have been able to make him a little bit more interesting, but that's that's my that's my answer. I like. I think he could play a, like a bozo or like a doofus pretty well yeah, too, totally. which is what his dad is. Yeah, he could. Right. Okay, I like that. Mine is also a minor character. It's um, the guy who takes the car for a spin. He works in the garage. I would have that played by Sasha Baron Cohen. Wow. Oh, my God. That's really good. Yeah. I love yeah, that. So he would, I, I was watching the movie, and I was like, is that Sasha Baron Cohen? But it should be. So I could just see him just being a total goof. And it's like, you guys have nothing to worry about. Yeah, just... And, you know, he's had the experience in a racing movie, which we've seen now. (laughs) But yeah, he's just a, he's, he's a crazy whack job, but I think he'd be good there. I love it. Does he talk like Borat? Like, (laughs) uh, 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 you, you got nothing to worry about. (laughs) Well, he kind of already does in a way, you know, it's, (laughs) I mean, it doesn't sound like that per se. But but yeah, he'll 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 bring his own spin to it and his his own quirkiness. That's pretty funny. So I like it. Moving on now, Jared, you are the leader of this next category. Yeah. So take us away here. Sure. Yeah. So, um, thanks for letting me ask this question to you guys. This was also really hard. I mean, a lot of these questions were were tough, but the question that you guys asked me to to give an answer to was or at least propose the question is, would this movie be better or worse with X actor or actress in it? And I actually have like five or six, if you guys oh. don't mind. Oh, wow. Uh, all right. So I'll do my I'll do my main one, and then we uh, we can do like a rapid fire better or worse. Does that Let's work? Let's do it. Yep. Yeah. All, all right. right. So my, my main one here is Bill Murray as Cameron. Would this movie be better... <laughs> Would this movie be better or worse with Bill Murray it's that as Chicago Cameron? Chicago poll. It? That's what He's you're saying. trying to do there. Well, oh that, He's but too also, old, though. He's so old. <laughs> hey, I mean, we were talking about how we were talking about how Cameron Ellen Ruck was 29 playing a 17 year old. Okay, so Bill it, Murray would have been like a like a 48 year old. Think, think about Bill Bill Murray Bill Murray when he was like 30, or Bill Murray when he was in his like late 20s. I'm going okay. worse. Yeah, I'm going worse also. <laughs> I think it would be worse too. I mean, I'm not, not going to disagree with you guys. I don't think it would be better, but that was the one where I kind of oh, – the Chicago too, tie was a bit of a thing too. He's too goofy to be Cameron because Cameron's, Cameron's a little goofy, but he's so insecure and so anxious all the time, whereas Bill Murray is just lets it all go. confident. Yeah, he's so confident. Uh, and again, but I could too old. Maybe Cameron's dad. I could, I could see Bill Murray doing a good job at being a sad person, like being a sad but goofy person. Yeah, Groundhog Day. Yeah, he's depressed. What, right, what else you got, Jared? Yeah. Who else all right, got? so now we we can go we can go rapid fire. All right. Okay. Phoebe Cates as Sloane, better or worse? Ooh. Uh, oh God. I don't know. Oh God, I love her. Well, she looks like her first of all. They do kind of look alike. I'm gonna go worse. Well, worse. All right, worse. worse it is. All right, Jack Nicholson as Ferris's dad. 
worse. Are we? Are, 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 we are, are we? Are we talking Jack Nicholson now or Jack Nicholson 1974? <laughs> like Jack Nicholson, like 1974. Let's Meg Ryan. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a hard no for me. I, I love Jack Nicholson, but, I, but no. I don't. He's he'd be too crazy. He'd be fucking crazy. Jack Nicholson is insane in every movie he's in. <laughs> so I'm go, I'm go I'm going I'm going worse. All right, all right. I would go I would go better. What? <laughs> I, I, well, then, do you I want could... Cameron's dad to be fucking insane? No, Ferris's dad. Or sorry, yeah, that's what I mean. Ferris's dad to be insane. Well, he could Ferris's be Cameron's dad, like dad a, actually. He could be Cameron, but we don't ever see anything, him. Right. anything to anything to just make Ferris's dad slightly more interesting. <laughs> you really hate Mr. Bueller, don't you? Jared? I mean, he's just a whatever character. Same. With, I mean, the mom is too essentially, but she plays a little yeah. bit more of a role, I guess. I agree. With um, you. I, I'm going to get to that later on in the show, but I'm I'm right there with you, Jared. All right, I got a couple more. I got a couple more all for right, you guys. Meryl Streep as Ferris's mom. <laughs> you're going big, Jared. I'm going uh, huge. Yeah, you're really, so you're you're trying to have Ferris Bueller's Day Off win some Oscars here, aren't you? It should have. I think the last thing I need is Meryl Streep just putting on an incredible performance and stealing the show, right. which she obviously would. And she'd win Best Supporting Actress. Right. She would. She could have yeah. four. She could be Grace, and she'd still win Best Supporting Actress. <laughs> that would be awesome too. I should have suggested that. All right, I got one more. No, sorry, I got two more. But it's, right. they're both for the same character. Michael J. Fox as Cameron. Ooh, ooh. I get the nervous Nelly anxiety yeah. bit from I... Michael J. Fox, but also kind of a goof in like a fun, playful way. I say. Good, but not better than Alan Ruck. Agreed. I, I mean, nothing's I'm with gonna you. change these people. Yeah, I think he, like I think Michael J. Fox because we were just talking earlier how he was originally um, John Hughes had him in mind to play Ferris. He was one of the candidates. I think Michael J. Fox would be would be better as Cameron than Ferris. That's fair. Because as you said, Jared, he brings that he brings that anxiety to his roles. You know. Yep. Exactly. So that's what I was going for. And so then my last one. This is a total left fielder, like. You thought it was going big with Meryl Streep and Jack Nicholson. This Morgan is, this Freeman is, as Ferris. <laughs> this is another one that's completely out of the blue. Eddie Murphy as Cameron. <laughs> oh, man. Jared, how did you think of all of these? Oh, my God. <laughs> I tried to think of what late 70s, 80s actors <laughs> that could maybe fit into one of these roles. It was a hard question. Oh, my God. Because, I mean, these, the, like we've been talking about, I mean, Matthew Broderick, Alan Ruck, and Mia Sarah, like, they just, how can you imagine the movie with anybody else playing their Oh, man, roles? Jared, I, I'm going to be honest with you. This is, this is not usually the direction Brett and I take this question, but, I mean, you know, bringing a third person into the bedroom here has really spiced things up. This I'm sab- <laughs> sabotaging. I'm sabotaging Butterless Popcorn. Oh, my God. Uh, I'm going to go... I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go worse for for this for the same reason I said that. Um, who was the first person you said? Like Dustin Katie Hoffman Gates? or for Jack Nicholson for, for Cameron, Michael for J. Cameron. Fox, Bill Murray. Oh, Bill Murray. Oh, Bill Murray. For, the, for, for, for the I'm gonna say no for Eddie Murphy for the same reason I said no for Bill Murray is because Eddie Murphy, especially Eddie Murphy, 
you know, in the eighties was the most confident motherfucker yeah, on I get TV. That. So I, I'm going to say no strictly for that reason. Yeah, I'm with That's you. I'm, I'm he going didn't worse. give a fuck. Eddie Murphy <laughs> in the eighties doesn't give a fuck about anything. Now imagine this movie with Eddie Murphy as Cameron, where he didn't give a fuck about anything, and that is who Cameron becomes. I don't see it. Yeah, it's tough. Fair. That's fine. I don't see it. I'm going to go with I have no answer. <laughs> what? How could you propose the option and not have an answer? It was answer? for you guys. I wanted to hear what you guys thought. Well, who was your take? What was your take on the Bill Murray one, which was the main one? I, I would say... I understand your point, but I could just imagine Bill Murray playing a good, sad person that is a also can be fairly goofy and you know fairly light. So imagine if Ferris had like a forty-five-year-old best friend. (laughs) Uh, You're basically referencing Back to the Future. That that (laughs) essentially, yeah, yeah. That's really good. Um, So we're gonna move on. And we're going to go into one of my favorite categories. We're going to do some trivia. So we each have a few questions. Some of us have more. Some of us have a little less. Adam, kick us off with some trivia. And this is different because we've never done trivia with two people listening in before. Yeah, how are we going to do this? Let's make this a little interesting. Whoever knows the answer, just say it. It'll be a little of a contest, a little bit of a contest. Just shout it out. All right. So I'll start. Do uh, you want me to say all all of my questions? I have four of them, so I can just go through and we'll do a little competition with you guys. See if someone can get three out of the four. I the, do it. The first one: What does Ferris's mom do? She's a realtor. Correct. So that's one for Jared. I froze. I froze. Yeah, you, <laughs> I wasn't sure if that was your feed or if that was you. And okay. <laughs> the next one. Oh, Jared already mentioned this one, but what is Ferris's test in? Uh, European history. Uh, European uh, socialism. There you go. European, European socialism. socialism. Yeah. I'll give that to you, Brett. So one to one. This one is pretty out of the blue here, but we'll really test your knowledge. What is the license plate on the 1961 Ferrari? Two- wow. Holy, I couldn't even finish the question. <laughs> oh, I did not know that. Holy. Yeah. God. I mean, that's, they, they it's, it's a, they like make a point to show it, I think, in like a couple of the moments, right? Like they do. when they're driving away down to to go pick Sloan up, I think. Wow, mm-hmm. I don't I don't I did not remember that. It's pretty All right, good, Jared. So that's you, you've proved your worth here, Jared, but I have one Woo! more. Which department from the school sends Ferris the flowers? From the school. Like which faculty department? The nurses, the flowers. Yeah. So, like, who sends? There's, there's flowers that Rooney has in his hands, and there's a card that says, "Wishing you all the best and a speedy recovery," or something like that. It says, "Sincerely, the is it the math, the science, the English, the social studies?" I don't know. Is it the janitors? <laughs> no, it's it's the English <laughs> department. Wow! I wow. Have no idea. I mean, I, I that was out there, but Jared got the 1961 Ferrari license plate before I even finished the question. So I was thinking maybe he'd <laughs> <Wow>. get it. <laughs> okay, I'm going to I'm going to ask you guys a few now. And if you're done, Adam, if you don't Yeah, that's more. it. That's it. Okay. Mine are a little hard. All right, at least I think they're hard, but we'll see. Um, 
What famous U.S. tariff was the economics teacher lecturing on when in the class when Ferris didn't show? Voodoo economics. Voodoo. Oh, right. That? that is that's the type. Uh, what famous U.S. tariff was he lecturing on? Oh. Oh crap! It starts with an S, doesn't it? Yeah. God. I don't know. I can't remember. I always focus on the voodoo economics right. part. Me too. What is it? It's the Smoot Holly Tariff oh, of 1930. Oh my god! You know what's actually wow. funny about that scene is that um, Ben Stein, who who's the teacher, the economics teacher there. I don't think that was scripted. I think he just started talking about economics, and he was cracking everyone up there. And yeah, so he just went that with too. that. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. That Amazing. scene is awesome. That scene is so good. My next question for you both. When Ferris, Sloan, and Cameron were in the Sears Tower looking over onto the ground, Ferris says that they are a certain distance up in the air. How high up are they in feet? 1392? 13. Close, but no. 1331? Closer, but no. 1343. <laughs> Closer, but no. <laughs> 15- Fourteen. <laughs> Just give me the answer. One thousand three hundred and fifty-three feet. Oh, uh, I had the ninety-three. The director. Oh man. So I have one more question for you guys, and it's uh, it's again, it's a numbers one. Um. So, when Ferris, Sloan, and Cameron pick up the Ferrari, it has about three hundred and two miles on it. Ferris looks at the odometer and something's up and we don't even know, but we don't, we, we don't even know what that number is. We just know by his face that something's up. And then Ferris asks Cameron how many miles that car had on it before they took it out. And Cameron answers, how many miles did the car have on it? Wait, 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 wait. Oh. Are, is so, the, is the question, what did Cameron answer or correct. how much? Correct. So how many miles did the car have on it before they took it out? And that's what Cameron answers when Ferris asks him the question. It's like 117 and halfway between, you know, two thirds and three quarters or something you're like on, that. You're on the right, you're on the right page. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, 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 you, if you only get the actual big number, I don't care about the, the halfway part. Cause that part is really in depth. But if you get the big number, I know the number that it shows when Cameron looks at the odometer, mm-hmm. and that's three thousand seventeen. Yeah, but three, three, yeah, three, three hundred one point seven. Oh, sorry, yeah, three hundred one point seven. But I don't know the answer that Cameron says. It's one hundred and twenty-six. Ah, oh, so dude. Adam's initial guess was kind of there. Almost. So think about that. The people at the valet combined with them taking the car to the city, they put like 180 miles on the car. <laughs> where did yeah, they go? Yeah. <laughs> where right. the fuck did they Did they go to like Indianapolis? Like where the <laughs> yeah. hell were they going? Amazing. Amazing. Jared, I believe you have a list of questions for Adam and I to answer as well. Yeah. I mean, I don't think these are going to be too hard based on the questions you guys are asking. I got to be honest. And I already spoiled one of mine with my answer because I thought I was answering your question, Brett. But uh, the first question I had was, what topic are they learning about in Ferris's class? The voodoo economics one. Voodoo economics. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's all right. So I thought that was a good one just because it's kind of an easy one to start up with. 
Um, here's one that's not a trivia question, so to speak, but more of an open-ended answer. <laughs> okay. Sing the song that Ferris plays on his puke keyboard in the intro of the movie. Wait, in the intro? Know? In the intro? In the, in the first 30 uh, minutes of the movie oh, when oh. Ferris is at home and he's <laughs> playing his... <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> perfectly done in the right key brett that was great that was exactly what i wanted on your guys's podcast um all right so uh, my next question um is actually it was something that we talked about earlier so i'll just i'll say that this again but this question was what song is heard or alluded to multiple times and how many and the answer is four and it's donka shane like we talked about so i thought that was an interesting one. But anyways, here's an open one for you guys. Right. What movie does Ferris and the freshman, when he's on the phone with them in the beginning of the movie? Alien. <laughs> oh, oh, wow. Before I even finished the question. Bam! <laughs> you seen Alien? <laughs> you know, I love when, the, that part. when the alien bursts out of that guy's stomach? Kind of like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then the, the chick walks up to the phone and the freshman's like, you seen Alien? <laughs> and just like, just gives her the phone. She goes, "Hey, Ferris, how's your bod?" I love, I love that line. No, when she the, says at the end that. of that phone call, Ferris is like, "I'm dying over here," and she's like, "Well, maybe I'll see you this weekend." <laughs> yeah, bye. Yeah, she hangs up. Oh yeah, so that's a good one. Um, and I think that here here's one. It might might be kind of easy, but what's the score of the Cubs game when Ferris catches the foul ball? Oh, wait, it's zero to zero. Yes, trick question. <laughs> oh, I was like, maybe it was two nothing. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> zero to zero. Well, and we find this out during the Ed Rooney scene. It's yeah. it's pretty interesting too because there's this whole thing, and I don't know if you guys have read it, and I forgot who actually wrote it, so I'm not going to go too much into it. But they're basically tracking all of the events that Ferris goes to, and the whole point of this, and I don't even want to mention it because I'm ashamed of this person. But they're like, it's not possible to do all these things in the amount of time. That fair, like, shut up, dude. Who gives a shit? Anyway, yeah. Yeah. Um, they are like able to like zero in on what game that actually was, like against the Braves, and they like hypothesize what the score would be or how the game unfolded at the end. It was pretty interesting, yeah. but that's funny. I was trying to like think of that when you were. This is someone we know. No, 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 no. no. It, I saw it on Facebook. It's some stupid crap. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All great trivia questions from from you guys. Let's take a quick break before we get into segment three and dive into some what-ifs. Until then, uh, we'll be back in a few minutes. This episode of Butterless Popcorn is brought to you by Keep It Flowing Till You Can't Flow No More, the newest dancing video game for the whole family to enjoy. Stuck inside during the pandemic and are unsure on how to approach those few hours between dinner and bedtime? Don't look now. But keep it flowing till you can't flow no more has you covered. The game combines the quick footwork of Dance Dance Revolution with the interface of Guitar Hero or Rock Band, where all you do is hold the controller and dance the night away. And here's the catch. There's no guided dance routine for you. You have to be your own choreographer and make up the steps as you go. Go online at keepitflowingtillyoucan'tflownomore.org and use the promo code NOBUTTER. That's N-O-B-U-T-T-E-R for your free trial with Keep It Flowing So You Can't Flow No More. So what are you waiting for? Get your behind off the couch and dance the night away with Keep It Flowing So You Can't Flow No More. 
I sure will. Welcome back to the show. We're talking Ferris Bueller. And guys, things are about to get real interesting here. Let's start off with our first category after the break. Jared, I'm going to put the spotlight on you here to kick us off. But I want you to take one scene from Ferris Bueller's Day Off and make it into a musical. Which scene would it be? This is an easy question. I mean, I got to be honest. It's an easy one. The intro, the whole entire intro, in my opinion, is perfect for a musical. And the float might be kind of, in my opinion, an obvious answer, the parade. But I got to think the whole intro from when Ferris wakes up sick, he lists off everything that's sick. Can you not imagine someone on Broadway singing like, you gotta have clammy hands, no phony fever, like that. You lick your palms. You, no phony fever, you go to the doctor's office, that's worse than high school. Like, that. Like, can you guys not imagine that? Like, that, like is, that is, in my opinion, something that'd be so great. All the way up to the part where Ferris is kind of laying out on his front lawn when he calls Cameron. So we get a little bit of Cameron. We get the when Cameron was in Egypt land part <laughs> nice. of the... We get that included in the musical. I think that whole scene, that whole like 30 minutes before they really get into the city is so just perfect for a musical. That's quite a long musical, but that is going to be awesome, though, with the number of number of different characters and changes that will go on. I'm, I'm in. I like it a lot. Yeah. Same, Let's same make it happen. I'm all, I'm, all for, I'm all for it. Fair Spirit of the Musical. <laughs> and, it starts, and it starts out with like, his parents are checking on him and you don't hear Ferris say a word and they're like, Oh, he's a, he's hurting. He's sick. Like he's look at him, Tom or whatever his dad's name is. And, <laughs> and the first thing you hear Ferris say is they bought it. And the musical just <laughs> yeah, kicks off. Like, that's good. like the music, and he, he jumps out of bed. He starts playing clarinet. He puts his fedora <laughs> on. I mean, come on. This is just written for a musical. That's pretty good. Adaptation. That's awesome. I'll flip it That's back amazing. to you guys now after that performance. So I'm going to – I'm actually going to pick up right where you ended, Jared. Love so it. For my write a whole scene, musical here. Yeah, for real. <laughs> for my musical scene, I'm combining them driving the Ferrari to the city and then going to the art museum and going to the Cubs game and partaking in the parade. I'm combining all of those into one segment for the musical. Um, so it, be, it all begins in the scene when they're in – Cameron's dad's garage and Ferris is convincing Cameron to take the car. Cameron refuses and and then Ferris breaks out in a song and dance about how Cameron needs to get over the fear of his father and and live his best life. Don't be afraid and you can do it. Stuff like that. And then then they hop into the car and then, you know, there's more music playing. They keep singing as they start driving. They pick up Sloan and then uh, they quickly are in a new set so they you know all the sets are changing so fast behind them then they're in the museum and then they're singing about how they're seeing all this beautiful art uh <laughs> what, what's what's that painting called the day at the garden or something like sunday, that. sunday, sunday, afternoon. sunday at the garden singing about how they're quote like the greatest day ever and then because cameron at the end of the movie says it's the best day of my life the, the best day of my life so they do all these amazing things and then finally it ends with ferris on top of the float and he's singing and then he's like, we'll have a ball on my day off. <laughs> so you got the title of the movie going into that last line, too. And then the, and then the curtains close. Love well, it. We, we have pretty much half or two-thirds of the movie set now in the, in the musical Seriously. format. <laughs> Adam, awesome. what was yours? 
Well, I'll take us home. I might as well go with the towards the end of the movie. Uh, I already mentioned this scene before, but it's Cameron deciding he's going to take a stand. Did you and really so, pick that? So wait, we all picked a third of the movie, but like, three different <laughs> segments. Did, yeah, that's really impressive. Yeah, we've got the whole thing covered. So Cameron is taking a stand here, and the scene starts with Cameron kicking, you know, the Ferrari out the back of the garage. And he starts, and so he's singing, and imagine Ferris in the background with, like, spoken word and, like, talking to Cameron. So Cameron's like, that's it. I'm done. I've got to take a stand. Cameron, don't do it. I've got to take a stand. Cameron, I'll take the heat. I'm going to take a stand. He hates me anyway. This is too much heat for you. This is too much heat for you. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It just kind of keeps going on and on, and then Ferris finally gives in, and then the curtains just shut there. I'm a Love fan. <laughs> we could honestly pitch this to Broadway. Try to make I mean, school of the musical. Don't forget don't forget the end with Ferris running through the streets of his suburb and just like his chasing like his parents are basically ch- genies chasing him. Yeah. And like the music is so great and he's running through everyone's garages and backyards and homes and stuff and it's like that's an awesome musical in and of its own if you combine the score of this movie like you said with all of the scenes we just put together throw matthew broderick on on stage i think we're <laughs> i think we're pretty good hey, you yeah. know what will smith would be amazing oh, in that right. musical. <laughs> the guy can know. sing rap and dance and act come on he's a renaissance just man. where's bill fucking murray though when you need him <laughs> yeah Bill Murray or Ed, Eddie Murphy? <laughs> Jack Nicholson. <laughs> what if... What? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Oh, that's great. I just uh, thought of another casting call, but I'll, I'll save it for another time. Just ask us. Just ask us. We're, we're doing it. Johnny Depp as Cameron. <laughs> <laughs> Not bad, actually. I mean, he's... Maybe it works. He He's very... Uh, mellow, moody, yeah, moody yeah, and very mellow. mellow and moody in a lot of his movies. Uh, I can't picture Edward where the scissor scissors hands. for hands come into yes. play here. Though. <laughs> oh man, uh, I could see it. Not bad. Directed Maybe. by Tim Burton, obviously. Oh, obviously, yeah, of course. <laughs> so moving on, fellas. If Ferris Bueller's Day Off was placed in the eyes of another character, so if Ferris was not the protagonist, who would that protagonist be, and how would the plot unfold? Adam, let's start with you. We talked about a little bit. It's he goes through quite the arc, but I'm going Cameron. So he's a man who has lived scared basically his entire life, and he's looking for a way out. He knows he has to do something crazy, but he doesn't really have the guts to do it alone. So he calls his friend Ferris, convinces him to stay home from school, explore the city, and he knows that if he brings Ferris with him, you know he's going to have the time of his life, and he won't regret whatever he's about to do. So for once in Cameron's life, you know, it'll be worth the trouble. He does have the time of his life. And the best part for him is knowing the look on his father's face when it's all said and done and everything's over. So it's just, it's, it's, it's going through that Cameron arc there. And he's, he's kind of convincing Ferris to go along the journey with him because, you know, he really needs this. So I, I mean, I'll just, I'll just say mine. Cause I basically had the same exact thing, but you can, me too. You can you can kind of argue that Cameron is actually the protagonist of this movie instead of Ferris yeah. because he's he's really the one who ex, who experiences change and who has that moment of enlightenment at the end. Ferris doesn't really go through much 
change in general throughout the movie. He's kind of just who he is. Um, but Cameron's the relatable one. He's the one who's worrying about everything, and he's the anxious one, and he's the one who's saying to Ferris every five minutes when they're in the city, Ferris, how do you think the car is? Ferris, how do we think the car is? Is the car okay? <laughs> I think like I that, see my dad. <laughs> a pigeon could shit on it. Someone could breathe on it wrong. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, Cameron is the relatable one. So, But if, if he was the protagonist, um, you know, Ferris is his perfect friend who has it all, and, and obviously Cameron is the one who never gets his way. So we would view a bit of his relationship with his dad in the beginning, who tells him he's a worthless piece of shit all the time and he won't ever amount to anything. We'd get maybe some more of that background in it. Um, And then, as you said, Adam, Cameron has this amazing day with Ferris and Sloan and realizes that, quote, life moves way too fast to be scared about all this shit all the time. And he takes a stand against his old man. And whether we see that or not at the end, we get more of that lens through Cameron. Yeah, I mean, that's essentially what I had to say. I mean, you guys summed it up perfectly. I mean, there's no other there's no other character in the movie. Maybe maybe Edward Rooney. You know, what if the movie was through Edward Rooney's eyes? How would it unfold? What's Rooney doing all day? But we kind of see it unfold through Rooney's eyes. We do his aspect. His I mean, at least the role that he plays in the movie, we see it through his eyes. So that's kind of Cameron really in my opinion is the only other the only other real answer here. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to give a, a quick one and and uh, just do this off the cuff. I didn't write this down or anything, but I'm just going to see how this goes. Mr. Bueller. He uh, you know, You're boring I, I mean, dude. I, I mean, you know, he's a that's the thing. He's a boring guy on the outside. He's got this white picket fence home and family and everything is perfect with his wife. He's got two beautiful children who are very smart and bright and intelligent. Uh, very nice house in the Chicago suburbs. He has a great job and a high rise in the city. But he's got a certain side to him that you don't know about, and that's when this movie can kind of take a little a little dark turn. To go say. after Sloane, dark. And, uh, <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, when Sloane is checking him out in the car, he's he's in. He knows, he, he's kind of in. <laughs> so maybe maybe Mr. Bueller has a thing for high school girls. Eh? Wow, eh? that's the eh? kind of content that goes on this podcast. Uh, <laughs> so that's how it is in that family. <laughs> oh, family. love it! Do I have I a kiss know. for daddy? Maybe, maybe <laughs> Mr. Bueller has a darker side that we don't see. But maybe if the movie is through his eyes, it shows that not everything is as perfect as it seems. <laughs> Dave, you gotta up your advertising budget. <laughs> <laughs> Dave, you have the money. <laughs> Rub a hot uh, towel around your head. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we all agree that Cameron would be the protagonist to see the eyes through, to see the movie through another lens. Moving on to plot what ifs, Jared, kick us off with some of your plot what ifs on this movie. All right, I, I had a couple. I, I just just two. So the first one is: What if Ferris's mom saw the dummy in his bed? <laughs> what happens then? Ooh. That's really hard. I'm just going to flat out say she calls school first and foremost to talk to Rooney because she had just spoken to Rooney previously who who told her Ferris was skipping out of school and she didn't believe him. So she's going to talk to Rooney, try to figure something out. She calls Mr. Bueller who's at work and maybe they call the cops because they they don't have cell phones back then. They have no way to reach Ferris. They have no idea where he is or what he's doing. So first and foremost, it's like, oh, he's not home. Where is he? I'm a good parent. I am worried sick about him. 
They call the cops. If the cops get him, he comes home. Ferris is grounded for life. I'm I'm gonna go a little bit of a different route. I think she's still kind of a softy. I don't think she. I think she just trusts him and says like, "Oh, it's Ferris being Ferris," and gives him gives him kind of a pass. I, think I she, love that angle. Yeah, let him do what he wants. Nothing goes un, nothing goes unchanged. So in the movie. So so my what if was essentially the same thing, but my what if was what if Mr. Bueller sees Ferris and the gang at the restaurant. And I had the answer that you just had, Adam, that I would have Mr. Bueller look in the other way and saying, you know what? He's already here. He's having fun with his friends. He puts a hand on Ferris's shoulder and says, been there, done that. Just be home by six and don't tell your mother. And just and just gets in the cab with his coworkers and just lets it slide like nothing happened. The cool dad. That too. He's the cool yeah. dad. He's the cool, he's the cool dad. So The cool, careless dad. Yeah. Adam, what ifs on your end? What you got? So the first one, well, actually – Two of my three we already talked about. So the mom lifting the covers. And then also, I was thinking like, what if they had cell phones? But we already kind of got into it. You know, it would be a whole another level of communication there. But the last one is, what if Abe Froman showed up for his reservation? Ooh. I love wow. that. I think he throws a big fit. Wait, does he does he show up while Ferris and the gang are eating? Or they're at the table, yes. No, they're at the table. I think the snooty restaurant host calls the cops before he seats Abe Froman, and then Ferris gets they get arrested, but they don't get arrested because Ferris Bueller is way too slick to get arrested. Maybe yeah, he probably helped out the cop's son or something like that. Yeah, maybe exactly. The, maybe the snooty host accuses Abe Froman of being the the liar because oh. he's like, "Wait, Abe Froman is already here," and we and I just spoke to a woman on the phone who described what he looked like and what he was wearing. You, sir, are the liar, and I'm calling the cops on you. Oh, so, yeah. And so Ferris gets away with it that way. That makes I sense. Unless it. Abe Froman is wearing a T-shirt that says Sausage King of Chicago. Then it's, oh, then the cover's all blown. <laughs> I mean, or he has, a, or he has a business King, card. He's got a business yeah. card that says Abe Froman, Sausage King of Chicago. That's Can't fair. deny that. <laughs> Can't deny that at all. Nah. It's pretty good. Damn, so those those were all over the place. Guys, let's let's move to another one. We're all Chicago guys. We talked about this a little bit earlier in the podcast, but put yourself in Ferris's shoes. You stay home sick, you skip school. Brad, I'll start with you. What are you doing in the great city of Chicago all day? Easy answer for me. Get tacos in Little Village. Get an Italian beef sandwich at Al's, only on Taylor Street, the original. Can't go any other location. Either go on a walk or bike through Grant Park and then make my way to the lakefront. Either walk or bike. Go to some sporting event. Probably a Cubs or Sox game because it's during the daytime and Bears tickets are too expensive and Bulls usually play at night. Um, and then head to a brewery after the game and then finish the night at Finished the night at a uh, a very loud and grungy concert at the Empty Bottle. Nice, that's a hell that's, of a day right there. Have that's, you ever, that's have you ever done Chicago. all of that in a day? No, I definitely have not. There's no <laughs> way I've gone to a sporting event and a show at the Empty Bottle in one day. No, that's a bit that'd much. Be too, that'd be too much. That'd be that'd be too. That much. would be awesome though. I'm I'm in for that. Let me know when you when you go and do that. I'll I'll join you. Sounds like I a good day. It would be a great day, but I just it's not enough time. <laughs> yeah. 
not in maybe a Home Depot. Maybe Home right. Depot. Not Jared, what are you doing in Chicago? I want to. I want to first make it known right now that I'm. I'm wearing a Chicago Bulls shirt. I'm. I'm drinking out of a Chicago glass. Oh baby, are there you, you using the Chicago lighter I gave you before you moved away to San Francisco? No, but that baby was used and very useful. So thank you very much, Brett. I oh, it doesn't. That. It's gone. I mean, you gave it to me four years ago. <laughs> <laughs> you gave it that's to me true. when I moved here. It's not like you can recharge a lighter, at least that no. kind of lighter. So that's true. Exactly. Yeah, okay. So Continue. I wanted to make I wanted to make that known. But what I what I would do is kind of similar to yours, Brett. I would start off at Grant Park. I mean, you know, I'm imagining just like Ferris. I live in the suburbs. I get downtown via the metro, like we would have, and go to go to Grant Park, walk around, hit up the lakefront yeah walk along the beach that kind of you know take the day to be outside that kind of thing then i'd try to get to a cubs game too that was kind of my mentality go north and then really the only other thing that's on my chicago bucket list every time is you guys guessed it eat at pequods (laughs) so it's that's i mean that is i know it's maybe a boring day for a guy like ferris bueller but uh for me that sounds like unbeatable you know when you know, Ferris Bueller turns when Ferris Bueller turns twenty six years old like we are, that might be his answer too. Maybe, yeah. I wonder if he'll have a car by then. Think he'll have a car. <laughs> I I I hope so. I really. I do. asked for a car. I got a computer. How's that for being born under a bad sign? He did use Terrible. the computer. He put it to good use though. Changed oh my the, god! Uh, yeah. Nine times. Yeah. Oh wait, that would have been a good. Like, that would have been a good beep. trivia question. What did he dock that number down to? Two. Yeah, two. Okay. So that Jared, I, I love. I, think... I love. What? Sorry. Well, no. Go ahead. I. I, I was gonna say I love the noise, like the beep, 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 <laughs> yeah. beep, and then when he and gets to the two and it like just stops. Zoomed in on it. Yeah, then I love how like when it stops, it goes like boop, like it just makes this like <laughs> fuck you f- noise, like Rudy or uh, Rooney, like just screw you, man. That I love it. Old school computer, Jared. I think you're going to like the second half of my day. It's pretty similar to what you were doing. but All right. So I'm going to start my day with a little boozy brunch, maybe on a rooftop <laughs> or something. Cindy's, a little Cindy's rooftop. Oh, that's an expensive brunch. <laughs> Super expensive. Oh, my God. But but sure. Um, Have you guys ever been there? One time. I've been there once, yeah. Never yeah, been. Never been. Once. Nice views, though. Okay. Yeah. That's right, beautiful. Yeah, so sure. We'll, we'll start there. Maybe something a little cheaper. I don't know. But we'll do a rooftop <laughs> boozy brunch. We'll head on over to Guaranteed Rate Field, watch a White Sox winner. So the we'll, G rates. The, the, the G spot. We're going to have to choose like when they're playing the Royals or something to guarantee a W because otherwise they're not going. Uh, after that, I'm going to head up to Lakeshore Drive. Maybe maybe rent a bike, a little divvy action right along the beach. Oh, yeah. Um, not North Avenue. You know, Way too many bros there. I'm going to go up to Montrose and Ooh, maybe hang that's, out that's with how the, you do it. With the dogs. With the dogs. The the dog dog park park up there. Maybe roll a little blunt action. Whoa. I didn't know we were getting into that territory. I mean, (laughs) just just assume that my entire day was Ferris is smoking weed the whole time. There you go. So this is is when we (laughs) meet up then. Whole day, yeah. And then we do finish it off with a little Pequod's. Actually, oh, yeah, we do God. get to well, Pequod's. So you guys go to dinner together. That, that's a good Yeah, move. we get super stoned and eat deep dish pizza is essentially <laughs> what I'm saying. <laughs> oh, my God. Not just any deep dish pizza, though. Pequod's deep Absolutely. dish pizza. Absolutely. Oh Don't give God. me that Geno's crap. No. Geno's no, is good. No, Pequod's is the best. Yeah. No questions. 
Those are great days, fellas. I sound amazing. Like, we should do I'd it. I'd love to do it. Unfortunately, with COVID, that's not possible right now. Well, I also don't live there, but I will come and do it with you when when, when we can. So we're going to have to do three consecutive days. We'll do Brett's, Jared's, and then mine. We'll just do it all three days in a row in some summer. We'll take a three-day weekend. So we would go Let's to do it. So we'd go to two Cubs games and a Sox game, <laughs> or or if we could swing it and one of them's on a Sunday in the fall, we could make one of them a Bears game. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Either way, a lot of Bequads pizza going around. So a lot oh, of down. pizza, tacos, Italian beef. <laughs> oh, I love it. But then Sounds the frustrating great. part: we would go to Grant Park in the lakefront three times in three days. <laughs> and i'll do it again and again <laughs> sounds fun to me i mean i'm not gonna lie all right well let's sounds let's put it on the schedule here guys let's take it a whole nother direction here if you could redo the movie in a different genre what genre would you choose and how would the plot unfold jared i'll start with you here this was also a really hard you guys have some tough questions i gotta say i mean that's it's the part of this baby as the big Especially... leagues, baby. Especially yeah. considering like such a classic comedy like Ferris Bueller, how could it be thought of in another in another genre? But I would I'm gonna go the historical fiction route. Ooh. Okay, it's kind of lame. <laughs> I like historical fiction, but I'm basically what I'm trying to say is the movie would be based around an event in Chicago history or something that happened has happened in Chicago. So like imagine Ferris Bueller happening while like. In like 1997, when the Bulls won the fifth championship, and like that's the parade that's happening at in in the in the movie, and like what events unfold because it's it's like this crazy time in Chicago uh, history. So I don't know. That was kind of the the idea I went with. Not too exciting, but I was I was actually gonna go more with the the date of the Cubs winning the World Series, but I'm gonna I'm gonna we can edit that part out. Does, do Ferris, Cameron, and the gang run onto the field when the Cubs win the World Series? Yeah, exactly. Like, what what kind of things happen because right. the Cubs win or the Bulls won or like whatever it was? The eighty. What if it, What if they shot it during the Bears Super Bowl run in eighty in eighty five and eighty six? So it's like that kind of thing. The like this maybe the city would have you know reacted differently. And they would have reacted differently. I don't know. So that was what I, that was the, what I came up with. The only problem I have with that Cubs part is if they run onto the field, they're going to be in Cleveland. <laughs> so now we, <laughs> That's true. Now we got to film this movie in Cleveland, which royally sucks. <laughs> so. Good point. Good point. Oh, yeah, Game Brett, 7 was there. Brett, yeah. how could you suggest that? <laughs> um, hey, you know what? Baseball, baseball is not my expertise. I'm sorry. I can't believe I fell for that. Um, I'm not a I'm, – I'm ashamed. But <laughs> imagine, imagine Wrigleyville – Ferris Mark Bueller. Burley's Mark Burley's perfect game. There's one yeah, we can yeah. all get around. <laughs> the 2003 All Star game. Kerry Wood, go. 20 strikeouts. So there you go. So that's that's my answer. What if what if Ferris Bueller catches the foul ball, but he's Bartman? That is really good, Adam. That is really it. good. Wow, and then they leave, and everyone's throwing shit at him, and they have to be escorted out. Yeah, and Cameron gets into a fight with someone because he's defending Ferris. Oh, it completely blows up in everyone's face. But yeah, there you go. <laughs> love that. Let's go with that answer. That is fantastic. I love that. All right, Brett, what so, do you have? So I'm going thriller, hardcore. We're flipping this comedy on its head, going upside down. Cameron is jealous of ferris in every way possible they're best friends still but cameron inside 
is so jealous. Ferris is confident, cool, suave, fearless, and Cameron is an insecure loser, just straight up. And Cameron is also in love with Sloane, by the way. So Cameron eventually reaches a breaking point, and he can't take it, and he murders Ferris in oh. cold blood. And in the beginning of the movie, in cold blood, he murders him. And then Sloane finds out that Cameron was the one who did it. And then Cameron kills Sloane as well. Shit. So what Cameron does, though, he steals Ferris's identity. And he moves from his Northbrook home to Detroit, where his Gordy Howe jersey finally comes in handy. Because, <laughs> by the way, why the fuck is he wearing a Red Wings jersey in Chicago? But I know Cameron's character is very convoluted, so that works. But anyway, he moves to Detroit. And he goes by the name of Ferris Bueller. But then when Detective Rooney comes snooping around, <laughs> things get interesting. That's my plot. Love it. That's a cool I love that plot. I would watch that movie. So it's Cameron the Killer. Does he get caught? You'll have to watch to find out. Oh. Alright. Hopefully it's on Netflix. I'm in. I'm hooked. What's yours, Adam? Mine is also a thriller, but it's a psychological thriller. So it takes place in the eyes of Ed Rooney. Ed's an established school administrator, having been around the block one too many times and seen far too many atrocities at the school, whether it's (laughs) the continued drug use or the unnecessary absences. And as Rooney ages, he begins an infatuation with this Ferris character. And Rooney feels he's, you know, up to no good, chases him around town. And he sometimes goes to extreme lengths just to track this Ferris guy down. The only problem is, though, Ferris isn't real. Rooney is losing it. And so he travels all throughout the city looking for this really delusion of his, even entering a random woman's home, prompting her to call the police, and the police don't believe it. And eventually, Rooney's assistant, Grace, you know, she's seen enough and has him committed to an institution. And as they are injecting Rooney with a sedative to put him to sleep before a lobotomy, the camera shifts to Rooney in the first-person view, and as his eyes are fluttering about to shut, he faintly in the back of the room sees a kid smiling, wearing the vest that Ferris wears. So this mm. is this is where Jared's Jack Nicholson take would come in place perfectly. <laughs> I was going to say, I think he would it's, fit. It's, it's one flew over the cuckoo's nest with with Ed Rooney. <laughs> ER McRooney. Oh, oh, that's great. And then, yeah, Ferris is why he's there. And then Grace is Nurse Ratchet. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's really good. I like that's pretty deep, Adam. Yeah. Well, Jared, yeah. you can cast the movie, but you know, between this <laughs> and the musical, we're gonna be very wealthy. Oh, uh, I think we're. I think we're set. <laughs> oh my god, that's amazing. Uh, all great takes, fellas. Now, the next question here, if you could change one thing about Ferris Bueller's Day Off, would it be? What would it be? Jared, let's start with you. It's something that actually that we've been talking about this entire time, um, and it would change the movie fundamentally, but um, what if the movie didn't – what if Cameron wasn't a depressed, heartbroken, sad, anxious, nervous person? You know, what if what if Cameron's heartbreaking arc just doesn't exist? Like what this movie is already a super happy movie aside from Cameron um uh, you know, aside from Cameron's story. So what if 
the movie was just even happier. Uh, so that's that's one thing I might change about the movie. Like it, it just dropped the drop the sad stuff because what's the point? It's already a crazy, stupid movie where there's just like ridiculous things happening. Why do we need to have a heartbreaking, you know, deep character? But at the same time, obviously, adding it, adding in this depressed high school student is is another take on high school life. So it's necessary. But what if? What so, if there was no camera? So you just want to be smiling like the entire movie. Like you I just, mean, are you not yeah. already pretty much smiling the entire movie anyways? Yeah. I mean, for, it, there's a couple of camera points scene, where I'm like, feel bad for him, but yeah. The, yeah, the scene where he's sitting by the pool is where you're kind of like worried about him. And that's about it. Like, And then after the, and then the transformation scene, and, and that's about it. But what if we dropped those moments? What if... What if he didn't give a shit about his relationship with his dad and he just was like a happy-go-lucky, careless guy? I don't think it's as good. And as we said in the first few minutes of this podcast, my favorite scene is when Cameron breaks that barrier and reaches that point of enlightenment where he doesn't care to be afraid anymore. If he is just as happy-go-lucky as Ferris is the whole time... It, there's no character who has any internal conflict and you need someone like that. I'm with Fair. you. I, I'd still watch the movie probably a hundred times, even the way Jared posed it. But yeah, I'm with you, Brett. Beautiful. Very fair points. Uh, Adam, what was your take on this? What's one thing you would change about the movie? Jared brought this up earlier, but I would just have more interesting parents. They're, <laughs> they're pretty vanilla. They're very <laughs> vanilla. Um, yeah, they're just too people they're just two white boomers i guess you could say so i don't maybe make the dad a complete psycho for something uh brett you kind of mentioned i did yeah. <laughs> crazy dad a little bit earlier but yeah maybe that happens just do something they're just a little too boring for me a little bit yeah and maybe jared's takes where he was recasting them as Meryl <laughs> Streep and as Jack Nicholson, Dustin even, Hoffman. It does happen. Even that would bring a little more excitement to the to his parents. Yeah, I, get, I agree. They're they're very naive and and pretty boring. It's not that's not a bad take at all. Yeah. My my take here. We haven't talked about this, and and there's no background on this at all. Why do they go to the board of trade? <laughs> <laughs> there there is no background on why. The hand motions. There's no background on why why these 17-year-old kids, why they're going to the Chicago Board of Trade during their day off to Chicago. Are are they looking to invest? Are they just just checking out the scene? Why the hell are they there? I can think of 10 other things that they could be doing. Each of us just said what our ideal day would be in Chicago if we were Ferris Bueller. The Chicago Board of Trade would be like my – 123rd thing I would do on my list of things to do. It, maybe So if I could change one thing, it's provide some background, John Hughes, on why these kids are all of a sudden at the Board of Trade. <laughs> uh, you know, it's funny you bring that up because obviously it's not something we would do, but the Board of Trade building is actually my favorite building in Chicago. <laughs> so I kind of I kind of love that they go to the Board of Trade. And it, you know, it's just such a cool looking building with the like gothic, like Art Deco style. It's a beautiful building, but I don't think that's why they, they go there. And they have yeah. this, and they, they somehow the they're somehow in a private room 
right? They're just like chilling. <laughs> yeah. They're just chilling in a room. It's like they got the VIP box seats and overlooking all these crazy men on the floor looking at the boards. Why are they there, John Hughes? Tell us. It is have, weird. Like half yeah. Ferris say, oh, let's make let's make some investments or something. They're just there. Why the fuck are they at the Board of Trade? I just... Well, so yeah. I think maybe it was after the economics class from Professor or by by Mr. Stein that they said, "Hey." But Ferris wasn't there. He wasn't there. For Neither the was Cameron. <laughs> they they weren't, weren't there. Oh yeah, exactly. Fry, <laughs> fry. <laughs> I just don't get why they go. So, give give me some background on that, John Hughes. I want to know why they go to the Board of Trade. Fair point. Fair point. Let's so, get married. <laughs> I love how Ferris brings it up right there. Yeah. I'm not going to marry you. And then Ferris goes. Oh, it's Cameron. Cameron, Cameron. Yeah. Or or, sorry. I keep fucking up the two of their names. Cameron flicks his cheek. The funny thing is that Ferris goes through like all of the reasons why they wouldn't get married. But he says, but other than that, I mean, tell me why. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, you know, aside from being too young, being awkward, you know, the only cheerleader with a husband, not having (laughs) money or a place to go. I mean, why? (laughs) So next question here, fellas. Is Ferris Bueller's Day Off the best Chicago movie? Adam, start us off here. Yeah, it is. I think, so we've done Mean Girls before. We've talked about that. There's The Dark Knight. There's The Fugitive. There's Blues Brothers, obviously. There's so many good movies to choose from here. But I don't think any of them really showcase Chicago like John Hughes and Ferris Bueller's Day Off does. It's just, it's it's the purpose of the movie in part, is to just show off how good Chicago is. And so for that reason, I think it's just got to be the best one. Yeah, I would agree completely. I mean, that's that's the only answer. I mean, maybe, maybe you can, like the Blues Brothers, yeah, it doesn't as cleverly, you know, hit the points that they do in the Chicago, the Chicago points, I'd say, as this movie does. But the only other one I would maybe offer up in terms of like showcasing the city in an art in a res- artful and like respectful way is is Dark Knight. Like I think the Dark Knight, like obviously with speaking at the Board of Trade, where he starts out on the top of the Board of Trade building, and the parts in the in Lower Wacker Drive are really cool and like just like if you're from Chicago, you can just you know why they chose Lower Wacker Drive for those scenes, and it makes it's important and it stands out to you and it makes sense to you. And so I think that's the only other movie where, like, they actually do Chicago artful justice, I will say. I agree with both of your takes. I do think Ferris Bueller's Day Off is the best Chicago movie. As you both just said, it showcases everything the best. It has the skyline multiple times. It has Wrigley Field. It has Lakeshore Drive. It has even what a typical parking garage in the city looks like. It shows I-94. It it encapsulates the city perfectly. However, um, I think The Untouchables – with Kevin Costner and De Niro is really up there when when De Niro plays out De Niro plays Al Capone and Kevin Costner is is one of the one of the police officers who tries to track him down. Uh, there's multiple meetings on Michigan Avenue when they're there. There's a scene at the Chicago Theater. I think there's a scene at Union Station too. Um, so that encapsulates the city really well. And then Dark Knight, as you said, is good. The chase scene. The Blues Brothers also does really well. The Blues Brothers shows the South Side of Chicago incredibly well, especially in the scene when they go visit the Chicken Joint, where their guitarist works at, and then Aretha Franklin's there. So that's really great. Um, but yeah, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Not only does it show the city, but it gets a good light into the suburbs too. 
in what suburban yeah. life in Chicago is like as well. Just really nice homes, quiet, easygoing. Um, no arguments there. We all agree, I guess. So, yeah. Really, I, mean, I wonder if it helped. Easy it probably take. did help tourism at, at some point of just people wanting to see the things that they saw in Ferris Bueller. I feel like that's it, just kind of an interesting tidbit too. Yeah, as as we were just saying earlier, Cubs fans, they see people even across the state. Someone in uh, in Syracuse, New York, watches Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I want to go to a Cubs game now. They probably take a picture with the with the front and Photoshop save Ferris on the on the front of the stadium too. Just oh, it's, to, it's called it's <laughs> called the marquee. The marquee. Thank you. I was yeah. the marquee sports network. Yeah. Yeah, baby. <laughs> MSN. Glad we all, right. all agree on that one. <laughs> Guys, we're we're coming down the home stretch here. We have two more questions. The the next one up is the Mount Rushmore question. So Brett, kick it over to you. But does Ferris Bueller's Day Off make the Mount Rushmore for really anyone involved in the film? So that could be actor, actresses, directors, writers, you name it. Who do you have here? So I'm gonna start with John Hughes, who is the brains behind this movie. And he has you can separate John Hughes into two categories into directing and writing because he directed and wrote Ferris Bueller but he wrote a lot more movies than he directed so with his with his directing I'm gonna say yes well I'm gonna say yes for both of them but I'm gonna explain why so directing yes I have it there with Breakfast Club 16 Candles and Uncle Buck <laughs> because I've seen Uncle Buck I, you're a sucker for Uncle Buck <laughs> I do really like Uncle John Buck. Candy baby <laughs> Um, and, and then, and then with writing, which was way harder, um, I I also said yes with Ferris Bueller, Breakfast Club, Home Alone, and Adam, your vacation movies, but specifically the first one where they go to Wally World. Um, he's had some other great movies, but I, I think it's really tough, but Ferris Bueller's Day Off is his best overall work, in my opinion, as we said, it encapsulates the cities well, the characters in it are so real and relatable. Uh, it, it takes the cake for me with John Hughes. I'm, I'm with you. I got Hughes as well. I have him sneaking in there. I think, I mean, in the breakfast club and 16 candles, this is all like the, the same amount of time. And I'm a huge breakfast club fan. Planes, trains and automobiles. Another movie. Yeah. So Martin, baby, yes. Yeah, yeah. And, and John, isn't John candy in that one as well? <laughs> yeah. That's Steve Martin and John candy. Yeah. <laughs> I love, love John candy. This is for all the marbles. Yeah, so. For all the marbles, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I got Hughes as well. Do you have any of the actors or actresses in it? Yeah, um, so I have for, I'm going to just name the following people. So Matthew Broderick, Alan Rock, Mia Sarah, who plays Sloan, Jennifer Grey, who plays Jeannie, Jeffrey Jones as Rooney, and Ben Stein as the economics teacher. I have it in the Mount Rushmore for all of them. Every single one of them. For I mean Matthew Broderick, it is the defining role of his career. I put this along with Lion King, Election, and Glory, and then Alan Rock. Inspector Gadget. Oh, you're, <laughs> you're you're blowing smoke out of your ass, Jared. Oh, I mean, Inspector Gadget is Matthew Broderick's Mount Rushmore. Oh, Come on. So, I, I think I mean that came out when we were young, so we were I'm able. Totally to... joking. Okay, good. <laughs> I couldn't tell. The producers. Um, he was in the producers. He was yeah. in the producers on Broadway. He's won a few Tony awards also. So if we were saying like career-wide Mount Rushmore, um, I would say those Tonys would be right up there with Ferris Bueller. But um, Alan Ruck, so absolutely is Cameron Fry. But I don't know if either of you have, have watched HBO's Succession. 
He is amazing on that show. He's insane. He is hilariously outrageous as one of the brothers in Succession. So he's great in that. Mia Sarah as Sloane. Not only is this her Mount Rushmore, I, I looked at her filmography, and not only has she not done anything since 2013, I didn't recognize a single film or TV show she was <laughs> in besides it. So that's it for her. Uh, Jennifer Grey, it's this in Dirty Dancing. Uh, Dirty Dancing is definitely her peak, uh, her most famous performance. Other than that, it's this. And then Rooney, I would say Rooney actually had a pretty successful run. So it's this. He's the dad in Beetlejuice. Great movie. Uh, Amadeus, which I never saw, which is that movie about Mozart. And then if either of you have seen The Devil's Advocate with Keanu Reeves and Al Pacino, he's not bad no. in that either. So, And then finally, Ben Stein, because, yeah, I mean, what, what else? <laughs> this is literally what got him famous. So um, I'm handing the floor off to off to you, Adam. That's that's interesting you brought up the, uh, the dirty dancing. And one other tidbit is Matthew Broderick, his moves on the float during that parade was choreographed by Kenny Ortega, who not a huge dance guy, uh, but apparently he's a pretty big choreographer. He he choreographed Dirty Dancing. So oh, that's amazing. So I'm yeah. sure your girlfriend, a dancer, loves Dirty Dancing. Well, I asked her, I was like, do you know who Kenny Ortega was? And she just stared at me. Like it was like asking if I knew who Babe Ruth was. So oh, shit, really? <laughs> apparently apparently he's a big deal. I don't know. So it's kind of a big deal. It's kind of a big deal. So um but I think you I mean you touched all of them. I think all of those people make it and you know, it stands out especially for Broderick for me in Alan Ruck. Those are two people where that was the first time I had ever seen them. And for Ruck, the, the last time I really saw him in film. So this, this absolutely stands out and John Hughes, just an incredible run for him. You touched on it. I only thought of him as a director, but when you brought up the pieces that he's written as well, just, just tremendous. Amazing. Jared, any, any takes? I know we covered a lot there. Yeah, I mean, nothing really to add. I gotta be honest. Um, I, I don't think I have anything else valuable to add on to that. Nothing about Ferris's parents? <laughs> I don't think I have never seen them ever in anything else. Me neither. <laughs> <laughs> Who are they? Do they even have names? Two Vanilla Man. I have yeah. no vanilla idea. One, vanilla Woman, Vanilla Man. <laughs> All right, guys. So that leads us into our last question, and we always end on this one. What is the most memorable thing about Ferris Bueller's Day Off? Jared, I'm going to kick this to you. Go ahead. There's so many. There's so many, obviously. Like, so many moments that you're just, like, you think of. Like, you mentioned, or, or Adam mentioned earlier, that the scene with Cameron staring at the Sunday in the Park uh, little girl on the picture at, or at the painting. Things like that that you just remember. Quotes that you just remember. Like, you just, there's so many memorable things about this. But... And on the quote aspect, I think the standout, you know, memorable moment is life moves pretty fast. And if you don't stop and look around every now, you know, that whole quote just sticks with everybody. It's so impactful. And it's it's such a good way to end the movie, too. That just like that's any smirks. And it's just kind of a perfect cherry on the top for a fun, fairly easygoing, just super exciting, especially for Chicagoans like us just an awesome awesome you know moral almost of this of this whole ferris bueller's day off movie i i think you nailed it i had pretty much the exact same thing it's such a feel-good movie ferris is really like everyone that we dream of when you think about it like you know 
he's one that actually does stop and ignore maybe the the stupid little things going on in our lives and just enjoys life for what it is for one full day. And so we, we all kind of want to do that. I will bring up one other unrelated point, which I think is going back to John Hughes, but he basically put all of his favorite things in a movie. And I think that's, to get away with that is pretty impressive. (laughs) Yeah, for real. I mean, he was kind of on top of the world at, at this point, like we mentioned with those other films, but you know, he's a huge Beatles fan. I think I read he listened to the White Album 56 days in a row Yeah, <laughs> doing this movie. So wow. he was all in. Uh, he was a Sox fan, like I mentioned. Unfortunately, he had to go to a Cubs game. But huge Chicago aficionado. He loves all of it. And he said, screw it. I'm just going to throw it all in this movie. And for him to be able to put all of his passion into it and still make it work like he did, I think that's what makes this movie last incredibly and, and age really well too. So kudos to him. Just to echo with the two, just echo with the two of you said, uh, I, I, there's nothing else for me to add besides, and we've already said this already, but the way this movie uses Chicago really, really stands out to me. When when I'm telling my grandkids about Ferris Bueller's day off, yes, I'm going to mention that it's really funny. And this guy, Matthew Broderick, you got to watch him. But more than anything, I think I'm going to say, you know, the scenes when they're in the city, when they go to the art museum and they go to the Cubs game and they're on the parade and they're driving to Lakeshore Drive, it, it, it paints a picture of the city better than any movie we've ever seen. And that's what sticks out to me the most, really more than anything, when watching Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I wonder if we surveyed a random selection of 500 New Yorkers, how many of them would say Ferris Bueller is in their top five movies do you think do you think the movie resonates with us so much because we're from chicago obviously it does but do you think someone from an outsider's perspective views it the same way as we do i'd say it's a little bit different you still have that feel good feeling kind of the entire film and you can really connect and relate to ferris but i think there's a little bit less of that nostalgia feel which makes it less likely that you're going to continue to watch it over and over again. It might be a really good movie for people, but maybe they'll see it like two, maybe three times. But someone from Chicago, I mean, we could watch it a hundred times and it would be good every single time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, at the end, at the end of the day, it's a really good movie. So, you know, if you're a New Yorker, you'll like it, but we connect to it differently being from Chicago. But to answer your question, Jared, it's, it's not in my, it's not in my top five. No, I, um, I know, I know that. Yeah, I mean, it's I, I love it. I, I I love it. Great movie. I think he just broke um, his heart a little bit. I just a little bit. Just, it's okay. I knew bit. it, Brett. Your movie knowledge is extensive. I know it's probably not in your top five. No, that has nothing to do with it. I this movie is definitely in my top thirty, thirty or forty. Oh man! Wow. <laughs> Quite a criteria, like a selection criteria. (laughs) Butterless uh, popcorn. They just review any movie, apparently. (laughs) That's false. Uh, Gentlemen, that's about all the time we have. Jared, thanks for coming on and being a great guest despite the recording issues we had. Did I make up for the problems? Give me the honest thing. I was going to say we'll have to get back to the drawing board and discuss. Jared, it it was a top 40 episode currently. (laughs) Top Ouch. Ouch. Yeah, Um, but hey, that's all right. Jared, thanks again. Thank you for having me. 
And uh, everyone, thanks so much for listening. Tune in next time to Butterless Popcorn. Thanks. Thanks.